So here's the thing, Steve. We've spent all this time asking ourselves, where's Waldo? Right. But has anybody ever really taken the time to ask, why is Waldo? Ooh. Why isn't he home? You know, it's like he's always going places. How come you you don't ever stay anywhere and stay put and take care of your family, Waldo? The way he seems to hide out, I think he's probably reflecting on why is Waldo a lot. But he's coming back to Mm. Waldo's here to drink. Oh, man. Waldo's an alcoholic. He's on a journey to find himself. He's just going to where the party's at. He's going to the yeah. beach. Where He's the going party to the circus. At. He's like, where's the where beer tent, y'all? a whole bunch of ribbon uh, poles and guys in caps. <laughs> Do you think maybe we're going to get like a Where's Waldo like Burning Man page someday? I hope so. And <laughs> I hope that uh, he's very hard to find in it because those are always <laughs> the best when you're frustrated as fuck and then people are like oh yeah i found him and you're I'll like right you. away. well he's also <laughs> going to be easy to find because he's going to be the only one wearing clothes right right good point yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh the guy in the shirt <laughs> yeah exactly that's him right there is there anything more like panic inducing in a covid era age than like a where's waldo page all those oh. fucking people. Ugh. Oh, yuck. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> Get inside, Waldo. <laughs> Put on a mask, Waldo. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to the newest installment of your favorite horror movie review podcast. Why, it's dead and lovely. Once again, here with the host with the most, it's me, your best buddy, Uncle Ben Eller. And who's that? It's me, Hollywood Steve. Hollywood Steve? Yeah, you know, uh, I just realized that our dead and lobsters have no idea what we were just talking about. So let's redo all of that saying, where's Wally? Oh, oh, where's Wally? He's gone, isn't he? Where is he at? Maybe he's popped off to the pub for a point. (laughs) Maybe he's at university. Down at the chip shop. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) How you been doing this week, Steve? I've been getting getting by, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's boy, uh, the the fog of of uh, not really communicating with people much is is really setting in. Yeah. So my brain doesn't work, but uh, it kind it kind of started sparking this week. A little bit. So hopefully pulling out of that that rut. Well, I'll tell you this, man. I I. I didn't want to spoil this for you. I wanted it to be a surprise. Oh, yeah? But I've ordered you one of those weird anime body pillows to keep you company. It should be uh, showing up this yes. week. Yes. Get you some waifu. interaction, some, some waifu on. stimulation. You know. Yeah. I'm looking now, out for you. what's on the body pillow? I am hoping it's something lewd and crude. It is a robot that has oh, man. huge boobs. Huge boob robot. And a penis. Just something for everybody. Things things that everybody enjoys. <laughs> <laughs> so you won't be lonely for long, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. <laughs> Dude, you been watching anything good? I have. The wife and I watched Palm Springs the other night. I've been hearing from you and our friend Lindsay that this is something I need to watch. It's a Lonely you Island do. joint. It is. It? It's a Lonely Island joint. It's uh, it's probably one of their more uh, serious ventures, though it is oh. a silly, ridiculous comedy. It is a, it is a rom-com, like a sci-fi rom-com. Oh, man. Okay. I'm listening. I, I don't want to reveal too much. Mm-hmm. What I'll say is it's 
uh, seemingly uh, a normal rom-com until it gets sci-fi. It's normal until and, it's not normal. I like that. And it's got it's got that Andy Samberg, and it's got that uh, Kristen Malati, who is hilarious in it. Also, J.K. Simmons. Oh, Just Kidding Simmons. Okay. Just Kidding Simmons is in there. So, I yeah, I don't want to reveal too much because it, it, it's the the sci-fi premise of it is is a fun discovery. I didn't know what I was getting into when I watched it. So whenever it got to the sci-fi bit, I was like, oh, this is weird. Okay. And then it gets silly, Lonely Islandy after that. But also, I would say probably their most serious film to date. Okay. Now, when you yeah. said it kind of goes places that you weren't expecting, that kind of sounds similar to um, our, our new favorite documentary that you caught up on a watch this oh, week. Last week, Jesus. I talked about watching yeah. Tickled. And uh-huh. you watched that this week. Yeah, I got to know what you thought about it. We've not talked about this at all. I'm dying to hear your thoughts on it. Well, Ben, I was pickled tank. Huh? <laughs> no. Can you do it spoiler felt, free? Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll do it spoiler free. I felt dirty, like real dirty yeah. and gross. Yeah. And um, not surprised that the person at the center of it was very trumpian yeah they share one very distinct trait most likely and that <laughs> is uh narcissism no so, yeah dude was it not just like a fucking roller coaster it is yeah i don't want to spoil it because it is such a roller coaster but go watch it it's on hulu and it is well worth a watch you will be drawn in in seconds yeah it, it, it's just like Man, I yeah, really good storytelling, really good like crafting of a narrative for sure. Oh yeah. Gosh, I don't want to reveal too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we watched uh, a great documentary last night as part of our new Docu Monday tradition. Yeah. Uh, Kate picked out three identical strangers. Oh, okay. I think I know the premise of this. Basically, Dude. they were split at birth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, like that's kind of where it starts is like, yeah, twins that were separated at birth end up finding each other. And then the story goes way onwards from there. Right. Man, it's it's really, really cool. I have seen the preview for that. I haven't watched it. Yeah, you should check it out. I really, really enjoyed it. It was, you know, kind of like Tickled where you're just like gripped the whole time. Like, wait, what the fuck now? Where's this going? I really love good documentary filmmaking that can just draw you into any subject. Like, right. Uh, we've talked about uh, YouTube channel Summoning Salt. Oh, uh, man, yeah. How great he is at like telling a story. And even if you're like his most recent video was about Wii Golf, I think. And I don't I've never played that game, but I was just gripped Same. the whole time. Like, yep. what? How, how did that happen? Like, Dude, that's the um, thing with his channel. I started with all the ones that I knew, like Mario yeah. and Punch Out and stuff. And then I'm just like, well, I've never even played, you know, Donkey Kong Country 64. Right. But I'm sure as hell watching this video on it. You know, I also watched uh, a flick this week called Gemini. Just kind of on a whim. We were just like, oh, you the know, one with uh, 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 William Smith. It's got all Zoe Kravitz in it. Oh, okay. And, no, I don't uh, know this. It's pretty good. It's kind of like a neo noir kind of thing, okay. kind of a kind of a murder mystery that. sort of tale. It's all set in Los Angeles, and I think that you'd really like okay. it because so I much like of it that. is just the visuals of the Hollywood Hills and yeah. stuff, and kind of I that, like that, you know, just the landscape and everything around there, mm-hmm. and a lot of the architecture and stuff. So it's a very like visual heavy movie. Story on it's 
not like crazy deep. It's not a mega deep complex storyline or okay. anything, but still a pretty enjoyable watch. I also, on a horror note, managed to watch the uh, the new Child's Play, the one that came out last year. Oh right, uh, yeah, you texted me about that. So uh, how how did that how did that end up? You know. It's not that bad. Like, whenever it came okay. out last year, I saw all kinds of people just, like, completely shit-talking it and just mm-hmm. being like, oh, my God, it's not the original, blah, blah, blah. Right, the it's thing, definitely man. not the original. No, right. <laughs> and nostalgia is a hell of a drug, y'all, because, like, the original Child's Play is no, like, masterpiece of cinema. It just no. scared you when you were a kid, so you yeah. have it on a high pedestal. Yeah, I you think know? 2 probably is more entertaining as a movie. It is. Um... Yeah, but the first one is yeah, it's not scary. Uh-uh, <laughs> it's, no, it's just a it's it's the type of movie that could be remade. But I think it's about like, you know, uh, the creator of Child's Play not really being involved. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people kind of just took sides there because he it's been his his franchise forever. Yeah, totally. and there is there is a show coming out. I think a Child's oh. Play show coming out on Sci Fi that is him. I can't remember his name. I'm wanting to say Don Mancini, but I, I'm not sure that's it. Right on. It, dude, it was actually pretty good. Like They don't really try to make it a direct remake of the original. They don't really try to make it all that scary. Like You can definitely tell they okay. had some fun with it and that it's actually... Well, yeah, actually... they brought Aubrey Plaza in. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. It's going to have a comedy edge to it at least, right? Totally, man. And it really yeah. plays like a really dark, satirical comedy about, you know the age of the electronic babysitter where it's like parents oh, okay. are working too much. Uh, kids have had... a hard time connecting with other kids. Yeah. Just fucking put some electronics in front of them. It deals a lot more with that. And like they even make, uh, you know, the, the good guys, the Chucky buddy doll even act kind of like an Alexa where it's like, I can control your thermostat. And you know, it's like, huh. I'm a home goods item and shit and a friend right. for your kid. So I think it's like a cool modern take on it. Okay, I'll have to check it out, man, because uh, I, I like that Aubrey Plaza and I, uh, Mark Hamill's the voice of Chucky, right? Totally, and he's great, yeah. man. It's a Fan good watch. Hamill, like so. up until I'll say the last third of the movie, where somebody, ha- you know, somebody stepped in, obviously, and was like, "Okay, but you got to get to the part where the doll goes right. crazy and right. starts yeah, killing everybody. And then they got to beat the doll." Once it reaches that tipping point, it's just kind of like, okay, this is exactly what I was expecting, and it's kind of boring. Right. Uh, but the first two-thirds of the movie, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed. I'll check it out, man. I'm sure we'll cover that on the show sometime yeah. here soon, man. Have you been on that MCU train like I have? Are you aboard, toot-toot? Yeah. Toot-toot. Dude, I have, I have gotten well through it. Um, let's see. The last time, I think, I had watched Iron Man 3, so... I watched um, Civil War and and uh, all that. What do you, what do you got? Uh, Spider Man, uh, Doctor Strange, and Damn. Black Panther. And You're making then, some progress. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I watch it when I work out, and so like I'll get an hour in, and then after my I work out, I'll go take a shower, come back, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna finish the movie. Right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Emily and I watched Thor Ragnarok last night because that's Emily's favorite MCU movie. So anytime I'm gonna Fantastic. watch it, she's like definitely want to watch it it's so it's good man. still awesome still amazing is yeah. there anything that upon another rewatch you either like more or less than you did before because i've had a bunch of those um, experiences this whole time that i've been doing it too uh i think i enjoyed them all more this time yeah, <laughs> yeah. i think i they got more enjoyment out of each one of them age of ultron i don't think i talked about last time age of no. ultron i think is really good i think it's a real good way of building the team and integrating 
uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision. I think they did a great job. Okay. I think it fits so well within the the timeline. Okay, see, I'm um, not I'm not up to that point yet, but I'm excited to rewatch that one because I still think I've only seen that one one time, and it was very different than the original Avengers, so I didn't really enjoy it that much, but. You know, again, like, well, as we'll talk about when we get into Midsummer and stuff, expectations are a bitch. It can really, you know, taint what you get out of a movie. So I think this time, knowing what I'm getting into, I might like it more. I mean, we, we rewatched um, Winter Soldier this week, which I, you know, had previously just said, yeah, I really didn't like. I didn't see what the hype was about, but uh, I actually really enjoyed it this time, man. Man, it's I really love fun. that one. Yeah, I love it so much. I love, uh, I love, uh, Cap and Scarlet Witch together. Yeah, or Scarlet Witch. Uh, fucking, uh, <laughs> I always Widow. see that Black Widow because yeah. it's Scarlet Johansson. Uh, oh, Black yeah. <laughs> Widow and Cap together are really great. And then uh, throwing in the Falcon, I, I really like the way Anthony Mackie plays Falcon, and I th- I think it's going to be great him playing Cap because yeah. you the way that I've seen it set up, there is no way that winter soldier could be captain America. No woman in the world would trust him because they know he killed T'Chaka and they know that like he killed Tony Stark's parents. They know he, he did all this. There's no way anybody would ever trust him, but they'll, they'll trust a former soldier who uh, never did anything wrong. Honestly, (laughs) you know what though? It would have been wildly appropriate for actually that guy to take up the Captain America helm and be like, just bury all that shady, terrible stuff this this white yeah, guy did in his past. don't think about it. He's Captain I mean, America. He's, sure, there was a black guy who was more qualified to take the reins, way. but this guy, huh? <laughs> he's his friend. That actually would have been more appropriate. <laughs> that Yeah, that probably would have been more real-world accurate, unfortunately. Ugh. But Ugh. yeah, yeah, it's... Um, Go, oh, I forgot. I guess I watched the Guardians movies since the last time we yeah, recorded. Yeah, so we did Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Did the you other watch day. them back to back? No, I haven't watched uh, two yet, man. Okay. We're either probably going to do that or whatever the other one is. Because the timeline, yeah. we, we're kind of talking about how the timeline is kind of up for debate as far as like which one you should watch next, right? Yeah, and uh, I I actually have some debate with the Marvel timeline because they say to watch the Guardians movies before Age of Ultron, and Age of Ultron is a direct follow-up from Civil War. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, so I watched uh, Age of Ultron first and then watched the two Guardians movies back-to-back, and that is a fun ride, watching those two movies in a row. They still hold very, up. Very, very fun. They still totally hold up, man. Like, Guardians 1, I mean, for one, one of the best soundtracks ever of any movie. But it's just a blast. Like, they really just went all in with having fun with it. Because they knew it's like, nobody knows these characters, so we have to endear these characters. We have to sell these characters to the audience. Like, you don't have yeah. to sell Batman. People already like no. Batman, you know? Yeah. People you don't already have to sell Spider-Man. know who Batman Yeah, but Rocket Raccoon, they're like, oh, it's a talking raccoon. There's a tree man. What? But you don't even think about that by... A third away into the movie, you never even think it's a raccoon. You're just like, it's a character in the movie. Totally, man. They maxed out the charisma in that flick, and it really pays off. Still so fucking fun to watch, man. But yeah, it's definitely been fun uh, re-watching all these Marvel flicks with a, with a fresh eye and watching them in continuous order, and we'll continue to report back with updates about yeah, our yeah. adventures in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But Steve, that's Let not what know. we're here to talk about today. No? Huh. Oh. What are we talking about? I thought we were talking about MC Hummer. Oh, well, you know, we're we're talking about MC Hummer. 
Mciumer. That's right. (laughs) But you know what, Steve? I think before I can really get into it with these fools, these busters, I'm going to need a cold drink. You got a cold drink around that you could have? I got a cold drink right here nearby. What you going to sip on? Ben, I got a K2 Bros Brewing Blue Raz Sour. Oh, my goodness gracious. The color of the label is like the blue raspberry, uh, like, blow pops from the 90s. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And that's what I'm hoping this tastes like. Now, the color of it, I've already poured it. The color of it is exactly what you expect it to be. Is it blue? It's like this, like, purple, delicious color. Oh, Um, man. It's made with blueberry. It actually does have uh, blueberries and raspberry puree. So I, I hope they've added some some fake ass shit to also make it taste like blue raz, yeah, which is expecting. a made up thing. Uh, but however this goes, I'm excited. What do you got going, Ben? They added raspberry puree. <laughs> <laughs> so i also have myself a k2 brewing bros brew bro company here these were of yeah. course sent to us by our good friend jeff my name is jeff oh, thank you jeff jeff sent us these beers uh pre-covid and he sent us a bunch of doubles that we have both had and then we're all down to the singles the singles are all supposed to be you know sharing beers because we yeah, used to record the show in person but uh I don't know when that's happening. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that'll happen sometime, but not before these co-beers go bad. So we're like, you know what? Let's just divide up these singles before they go all shitty and stuff and just share them on our own. Now, the one that I'm having right here is their strawberry, peach, pineapple, sour. Does that not sound like a mouth party? It does. I mean, all of that together. I love strawberries. I love peaches. I love pineapples. Mm -hmm. Putting them together? In a sire? I doubt Ooh, it's going to be a bad thing. Let's get a tug on this here. Why don't you tell me what that blue yeah. raz does to you over there? Because I bet that's going to be a delight. I was really curious about that one myself. <laughs> blue raz. Yeah, it's got that thing. Dude, this is, it tastes like blue raz. Like, it's got that, like, sour, uh, it, it's obviously not artificial. It's it's got the the natural sourness to a sour, but it tastes like blue rats. Oh my god, I gotta that's get awesome! Some more of this. Hold on. Oh, I can't wait to just see a picture of that and see what it turned out like, man. Dude, this uh this Ooh, peach buddy. strawberry pineapple scenario yeah is really great. Like I I get predominantly like a peach and vanilla kind of thing off of it. Yeah, it it might even have like some lactose or something in there because it's got that creaminess mm-hmm. to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I I was getting here. It might have some of that lactobacillus to it because it, it definitely has like a good creaminess to it. Yeah, yeah. This is good though. This is like really drinkable and six point five percent alcohol. Mine six point five as well, dude. You could totally get the kids crunk on this. <laughs> Hell yes, you get could. them kids crunk. It's really good. Like Seriously. I get the the tartness of the pineapple mm. or like an unripe strawberry is where I'm getting those flavors. Mainly the peach is the flavor component, but with the tartness and the acidity of those other fruits, it's really, Ooh. really good. And it's nice too to have something this refreshing because it is a hundred fucking degrees outside. Yeah, dude. I was out earlier. It was it was so fucking hot. It's brutal and humid. 
just Oof. really humid today. It's like I being at the coast not care for with none of the benefits of being at the coast. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, see, the subject of our show today, of course, is Midsommar, which came out Aww. 2019, directed by, in my opinion, the most incredible, fresh, and fun, and awesome, and terrifying new face of horror, yeah. Ari Aster, and... Yeah. Whenever this came out last year, we did a mini-sode on it, like 10 minutes after we watched the movie. That was episode 116.5. It also featured a guest star of my wife. Uh, my wife. Yeah. So if you're looking a- for like a spoiler-free review, you can listen to the first like 10 minutes of that. If you're just like, no, I won't. Um, we're going to spoil the shit out of the movie on this. You don't want us to if you've never seen this. Uh, take our advice. Watch the movie because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, watch the movie for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I... Man, I had a panic attack when we watched it in the theater. <laughs> that you that did. was un- unrelated to the movie. It started like right as the movie was starting. Woo. But watching this movie, I can uh, understand why my panic attack didn't go away the entire movie. It kind of just keeps you on edge, doesn't it? It does. The music, uh, especially, can really get to you. Oh, it, yeah. Um, it'll really like just get that nerve that one mm-hmm. nerve that's just like what the f- like, oh yeah dude but why is that happening it's an yeah. incredible movie and it's full of so many dualities and opposites yeah. you know steve that's it true. got me really thinking that before we get into mm-hmm. the movie review proper yeah i'd like to take you on your own special personal surprise visit to the okay. preview palace. Steve, welcome to the preview palace. You're here Whoa! now. I'm taking the reins. Reverse card. <laughs> because I just decided to spring this on you. I want to play a little game okay. of would you rather with you oh, here. Oh, shit. Because this right. movie's full of so many dualities. It just got me thinking <laughs> of a lot of questions of like, man, which one of these two things is better? Which do I prefer? Which is worse? And Steve, I want to ask you, Five questions that I came up with, too, that are related to this movie. I want to hear your hot takes on Okay. All right. I'm, All right. I'm, I'm excited. Are you sitting down? Are you braced? <laughs> I am, yeah, usually when we record, I sit down, but, you know, not always. Buckle this time up. I'm sitting down. You gonna, do, oh, are you buckled? Okay, hold on. Click. Yep. That's Buckled right. Up. Okay, I thought I heard a click there, so. Yeah, that was it. Yep. Question number one here, Steve. Would you rather have mm. a pube in your food right or food in your pubes let it rip ooh which is worse well okay so a pube in my food is it mine i don't know is it do you even wait do you have any weird <laughs> that's weird man uh let's see no i don't <laughs> so okay <laughs> That's like, all right, yeah. All right, so I don't have pubes to have in my food, so it's somebody else's It must pubes. be somebody else's. So, yeah, that's not exciting to me. And so, also, because of the no pubes, food in my pubes is just food all over my genitalia. <laughs> is it hot Just food? everywhere. Is it cold, hot, or is it just like room temperature? I was thinking something that's just like annoying, um, like like, like honey, or peanut something? butter, or honey. Yeah, something really just like uh, viscous that like, oh man, I'm never getting this out. Oh man, uh, if it, if it was like honey or maple syrup, yeah, that would suck a lot. It'd be bad. Um, yeah, some syrup or some ranch dressing that could get tossed around. Maybe jelly. These are prison rules. 
Is it just one pube in my food? <laughs> it's just one. That's all it takes. I mean, that, to me, that's pretty easy just to pluck out and it's like, and back to your, your regularly yeah, scheduled entertainment. I mean, entertainment. It's, been, it's been cooked. You exactly, know? right? So, I'm yeah, I mean, and that chick was cute. I'd eat her pubes. <laughs> or eat around them, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'll eat a pube. <laughs> well, good answer, Steve. That's good to know. All right, question number two. <laughs> I don't know if you're ready for this one. I'm, I'm excited. All right. Which cloud man would you rather fight? Ruben from Midsummer or Lakitu from Mario? <laughs> oh, shit. Lakitu's always taking money from you, too. That's so. right. But he'll get you back on track in Mario Kart. That's true. Lakitu, like, oh, man. If you beat him, but you get his cloud, a, too. He's also a dick. He's also throwing, you know, Koopas at you. And, man, Lakitu, man. I don't know. I'm... A, I'm going to assume Lakitu, in in the world where I'm finding Lakitu, I can eat a mushroom and, and grow bigger, right? Sure. Yeah, why not? Okay. But in, in Midsummer World, I just eat a mushroom and it's like fun, but like, you know, not helping me fight a cloud person. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of mushroom for sure. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so you going so, Lakitu yeah, I... on this one? because I get to go to Super Mario World. That's pretty fun. <laughs> Very good. All yeah. right, Steve. Next one up here, right here. This is one that uh, this is one that 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 Kate suggested here that I really enjoy. All right, dig this. Would you rather mm -hmm. have someone secretly give you LSD at a okay. random day and time once a year? Okay, that already sounds cool. Or have everybody in the world take LSD once every five years on the same day? Ooh, <laughs> the entire uh, world. Oh, <laughs> that's man. a sticky wicket right there. Yeah, because we live in America, and I do not trust a lot of these people. No, so, no. no. <laughs> You're gonna I, go with the uh, with the single serve, huh? Yeah, because I'm work. I work from home. Um, it could fuck up my schedule, and I'd have to, you know, get it together to send some emails, but. You could always put it off, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, like, in a COVID world, it's just like, I don't know, just trip balls one day, I guess. Yeah, it sounds great, honestly. Like, if somebody wants to do that, I'm I'm down. I'm down to clown. Yeah? So, yeah. <laughs> that's a strong answer. Okay, I like it. I like yeah. it. All right, Steve, I got one here for you. This is this one's hot. This one's going to be a really tough one to answer. <laughs> Would you rather have sex with your wife... With her whole family gathered around okay. encouraging you. Oh. Or your wife be on top of you having sex with you being encouraged by your family. <laughs> oh. Okay, so. How, okay, are we talking about just uh, direct close family? Like yeah. mother, father, brother, sisters? I think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the uh, okay, in, then, in the okay. world of the Harga, they're all kind of family. So it's just like, yeah, all the all the women folk in town. But I'm gonna oh, limit yeah. it to family, family. Okay. Uh, well, there, you know, her 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 parents are Mormon, so and she has four brothers. I have a, a brother and a sister. It's just fewer people. Seems like to to have my family there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I 
I think it's much easier because I don't really know my dad, so I imagine he'd be like, "Yeah, go at it, son." That's weird. That's weird. That's though. weird too, though. Really, I don't want that. No, this is a a real real bad question. Yeah, yeah, it's a gross question. But uh, yeah, my own family, I guess. All right, why not? Yeah, less is more, right? Less is less. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it'd be better just to be surrounded by your brother and sister, like making fun of your dick and stuff. I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. That's pro- well. I imagine that is what would happen either way. But with her side, her family, it would be her four brothers making fun of my dick. So yeah, <laughs> it's just fewer people <laughs> making fun of your dick. That's more dick owners present. So yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> they've seen. They've seen other dicks. Yeah. I might change that on my, my like Twitter profile. Like YouTube guitar guy, dead and lovely host, registered dick owner. <laughs> registered dick owner. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody can take my dick away from me. I'm an American. No. <laughs> it's All the right, Second Steve. Amendment. This has been a wild ride. It has. I've got one more question for you here, and this is one that I think is going to be very telling of your character, of your psyche, of uh, your perspective on life, and I hope you're ready for this one. Okay. Which is scarier? Mm. A man in a bear skin or a bear in a man skin? Oh. <laughs> oh. Which would you <sighs> rather have coming at you? Whew. Well, a man in a bear skin is That means he's tough I... enough to kill a bear, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's something that I feel like I've seen, so it's not like... The shock isn't, oh, a man in a bear skin. <laughs> it's, oh, fuck, it's a guy who can kill a bear. A guy who can kill a bear coming at yeah, you. Yeah, right. that's frightening. But then the other is not only a bear, <laughs> but a bear smart enough to figure out how to skin a human and then sew a human suit. To incite fear in future victims. Like, this is a bear yes. with a twisted plan. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do with you when I'm done killing you. But hey, it's then at the same to time, my skin suit. he is still a bear, so you might be able to scare him off just by banging some pots and pans together. That's, That's what I'm true. saying. That's absolutely true. Just because he can sew doesn't mean he's not scared of pots and pans. <laughs> so. Oh, pots and pans. <laughs> oh, fuck shit. Get out of here. <laughs> Climb a tree. Ah. <laughs> It's a tough so, choice. It's a tough choice, but maybe it's possible. It's possible that the man just bought the bear suit. So oh, he's, he's not even those, tough. He's just wealthy, got money. Wealthy bearskin owners, yeah. Yeah, I might have a shot against him, so I'm going with the man in the bearskin. Man in the bearskin. All right, Steve. Yeah. I think you answered all of those appropriately okay, good. and correctly. I think that good, you did it. Good, good. Awesome. I did I did say I'd eat that chick's pubes, so I think at the very least we got that pull quote. At least there's that. Yeah. Somebody yeah. will be able to use that sound bite. Definitely not for nefarious purposes in the future. I hope for nefarious purposes in the future. <laughs> I'm gonna run for some office just so somebody plays that on the news. Yeah, he was once quoted as saying <laughs> they play the sound bite and stuff. Oh my yeah, god. All right. So there you go. A nice little uh, surprise journey into the preview palace for you. If you guys enjoy this show, be sure to uh, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Give us a review on there. And at the end of your review, be sure to leave a question for us to answer on a future FAQ installment of Preview Palace. And Steve, this episode right here was a pick mm-hmm. by the fucking 
coolest, most elite society of intelligent, beautiful people mm-hmm. on the globe. I'm not talking about the skull and bones. I'm not talking about no Illuminati. No. Who am I talking nope. about? You're talking about dead and lovely Patreon patrons. You're goddamn right I am, brother. <laughs> You're goddamn right. You're goddamn right. <laughs> uh, did you know Chris Hemsworth is going to be playing Hulk Hogan in a biopic? I heard this the other day. And I'm so excited for fucking this. Fucking count me in. Yeah, as long as they're playing up how hammy Hulk was. Oh yeah, that he Chris Hemsworth will nail it. Yeah, it'll be oh, yeah. fucking awesome, and I can't wait yeah. to see you also too. Like you know, they're going to be casting people as like Randy Savage and yeah, yeah, That'll all be these fun, other wrestlers. Man. It's going to yeah. be awesome. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, Patreon. Give us your, give us your money. Oh, right. Fuck. Uh, Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash dead and lovely. Uh, yeah, Mike Travisano submitted this, though. Uh, this I think there were like four or five yeah. midsummer submissions. So it was, it was a pretty high possibility we were going to get midsummer. Oh, yeah, man. And I'm so glad that we did. And yeah, if you join up at the $5. A month level, you can submit a movie to be drawn from the smoking bowl at random. We do a Patreon episode every, was it, third week of the month? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. We do the drawing the third week of the month, and then uh, the uh, it's usually the fourth week that we do okay. the, the Patreon episode. But uh, I think this, this is the fifth week of July. Mm. Sometimes we get fifth weeks. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah. It does happen sometimes. So join up on patreon.com slash dead and lovely. And become one of the fucking best people in the world. All right, Steve, the subject of today's episode is Midsommar from 2019, and you and I both experienced this movie together for the first yeah. time with my wife at Downtown West Movie Theater uh-huh. last year. As you mentioned, you had a you had a, a panic attack, meltdown mid-movie, and spent, no. I think, most of the movie pacing in the back of the theater. I don't think I had the a meltdown. I oh, just yeah, had a no. panic attack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just, yeah. I just moved to the back of the theater. That too. That works. Yeah. That works. That works. Maybe it was a but bit of an over exaggeration. I was internally melting the fuck down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and and watching this movie the whole time. So probably didn't help. Yeah, it, it definitely didn't help. Uh, but it uh, this movie, man, I've watched it a few times since. I watched it with Emily for the first time uh, just the other night, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy it. I love it. I I, th- I love the look of it. I love how it all plays out. I love the just absolute disgusting, brutal violence of it. It's it's a fun ride to me, except oh, yeah. for the fun part. It's a ride. It's a ride. I'll tell you. Yeah. That should be on the DVD, DVD box for sure. It's a it's ride. It's a ride. <laughs> and they should have a midsummer ride at Six Flags. Oh, my God. What would that be like? <laughs> it's Holy just Batman shit. the ride, but with you know people getting their heads smashed. They just paint it white. Whatever. Yeah, they just paint it white. There's <laughs> blinding light the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it sends you off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to sign a waiver beforehand. That's, it. That's the midsummer ride is they just push you off a cliff. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Only for guests 18 and older. Right. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Did you like this movie better the second time around yes than you did the yeah. first time yeah me too mm-hmm. me too because i know for myself you know having come off of i think 2018 is when hereditary came out right yeah 29 or yeah 2018 2018 yes. uh-huh. yeah having come off of hereditary in 2018 which is ari aster's debut film which just i mean listen to a hereditary mini episode and full episode if you haven't that movie destroyed me unlike any other thing i've ever watched like that movie 
stuck with me for weeks. I mean, weeks. I thought I would never get the movie out of my head just because it seemed like it was written by somebody who knows all of my deepest, darkest fears and paranoias and stuff. So I went into Midsummer the first time just with ultimate hype of like, is this guy going to be able to fuck me up again? Um, What is the bizarre, fucked up twist going to be this time? Like I went into it really expecting something like Hereditary. And the first time that I watched it, you know, and again, this is obviously spoiler territory. Don't listen to this if you're not seeing the movie. If you're not seeing the movie, watch the fucking movie because it's great. Yeah, Um, it definitely is worth watching. But I left the theater being like, well, that was just kind of like the Wicker Man or something. Some kids showed up to Uh, a a commune on their college trip and uh, they they went to this cult and turned out they got sacrificed. I was like, that's just very Wicker Man-esque for sure. Yeah. It's got it's got similar setting, similar theme for sure. Yeah. But dude, this time around, you know, watching it without those expectations that I myself put on it, like it's totally not Ari Aster's fault that I went into this expecting Hereditary Part Two. I right. mean it's clear from the trailers and stuff like that that this is the opposite of Hereditary in every single way. But right. my own expectations, you know, had me looking for things that weren't there. But this time, you know, watching it without those expectations and just seeing it for what it is, I, I think I love I love this movie twice as much now. I think that it's also yeah. not even remotely about the same stuff that I got the first time that I watched it. I really look forward to getting into some of the nitty-gritty about what all we kind of saw into this flick. But, I mean, the first thing that you see in this movie, of course, is the aesthetic and the visuals, which are absolutely stunning. Like, there's so many things in here where you can tell Ari Aster is definitely a student of, of Kubrick. There's all these like slow zooms yeah. and overhead views of the car driving through the mountains right, and yeah, like the, fades and all this. Was very Shining-esque for sure. Very, very much. I mean, it's impossible not to talk about the aesthetic of the movie. Do you like the look of this flick? Absolutely. It's gorgeous. Oh God, I love dude. how drenched in light it is, how much color there is. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of color. I want it more in horror movies. I don't think horror movies all need to be drab because murder happens in broad daylight. Murder happens near roses. Murder happens near tulips. Like yeah, and, and you c- don't cults operate twenty four seven. Like they don't just right. operate at nighttime and do creepy stuff. <laughs> right. So like if you're yeah like there's there's I I get that you're trying to set a tone with a horror movie, but I think if you have a good story that you can really especially if you have good effects you can really shine a light on everything and this movie has great effects that we see in broad daylight that still look awesome when he holds on them oh yeah and even shows where he just goes back to it yeah it's just so great so you know what I, i hadn't thought about it that way but you're exactly right like that is the mark of incredible special effects is when you show them and it's not nighttime, and it's not right. raining or snowing right. or covered in some teal saw filter. Yep. Uh, it is just raw, broad daylight, not hiding mm-hmm. shit. And the effects, even though there's not really like all that many effects, but like yeah, I mean, we see two caved-in heads. Uh, well, there's the, I mean, there's the 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 blood eagle as well. Holy moly, that old blood yeah. eagle. Oh man, yeah. shit, that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask in the preview palace too. Blood uh-huh. eagle or American eagle? Damn it, follow up. <laughs> What's your thoughts? Blood eagle versus American eagle? Blood eagle. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Just give me that. I'll take <laughs> yeah. that instead. I'll take the blood eagle. <laughs> yeah, at least I go out not looking like a douche. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> With my lungs out my back. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather do that than I, wear some like tan cargo shorts and, you know, yeah. have frosted tips I, or something, I guess. I think um I mean, well, let's start with the production. I was I was going to get into the Blood Eagle, but I cuz I have a whole bunch of stuff to say about like the the folklore and stuff surrounding nice. this. But it, it's definitely worth continuing to talk about Ari Aster cuz uh you hadn't yet mentioned the strange thing about the Johnsons, which Oh yeah, that's we watched, right. uh on a Friday night during the uh streaming chat and Boy, howdy, that'll fuck you up. I still haven't watched it. I've heard it is not a comfortable no. watch. No, it is not. But uh, <laughs> it's really well done. Anyway, um, yeah, Ari Aster, apparently he has said that his next movie is going to be a four-hour nightmare comedy. Count me the fuck in. Okay, yeah, I don't I'll know watch what a four-hour movie of his, but sure. I'm excited, so... Dude. Yeah, I'm. I think Ari Aster is definitely. He's already established himself as somebody that we'll just continue to watch, just like Robert Eggers and um, Oz Perkins, Jordan Peele. Yeah, there's just so many of these um, directors coming out. And isn't it recently. cool how there's like there's not really a lot of overlap between those four cats either. Like right. they all yeah, have their so own lane. Different. Yeah, yeah, they're so different. They're working on different levels, but they're also like. They're changing the way horror is is looked at and the way it's done. I dude, think, dude, for and real, this it's, this it's great. This has to feel similar to what it was like to be around in the '80s when it was like you've got Carpenter and Craven and like all right. of those mega horror luminaries working at the yeah. same time and also Absolutely. again staying in their own lane in a lot of ways. Like I feel like this yes. is the second coming of that horror revolution that right. we went through back then. Yeah, because, yeah, you look at a Carpenter movie, you know it's a Carpenter movie. You look at a Wes Craven movie, you know it's a Wes Craven movie. Like, they, they never really were trying to branch into completely different looks and, and feels of movies. They were they were just trying to put their vision onto different genres. Yeah, totally. And it was really fun to watch how their vision imprints on this genre. And, and I mean, it's the same with, like, if Jordan Peele... Uh, decided to make a you know like a action adventure type of movie i'd be like all right let's see where this goes man i i'm very much interested yeah dude give me big trouble in little china again yeah exactly <laughs> actually can you imagine how awesome that would be if jordan peele did jordan a big, trouble, big little trouble little china, china? Type movie? yes oh my i would God. absolutely watch that i'd yeah. be way on board with that so this was ari's like second you know major release and i think mm -hmm. it got greenlit and started production like during the release of Hereditary, right? Yeah, because Hereditary did really well at uh, the festivals and stuff. So they, they knew they had something on their hands and the budget wasn't huge. And then the budget for this also was just $9 million. So Holy shit, are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. They shot in uh, Bucharest. So in Hungary, you can shoot for really cheap. Usually. Wow. Yeah. But that's amazing, though, dude, because like... They had to build a lot of shit, like all of those interior shots, yeah. like the bunkhouse and stuff. Yeah, that's why I you mean, go to Hungary or Slovenia or any any of those countries over there where you can get uh, workers for cheap to build these buildings but really dude, quickly. Even the artisans and stuff, though, because it's like not only yeah, is that big bunkhouse, you know, built out of fucking huge timbers and stuff like this, every square inch of it 
is decorated in that beautiful Scandinavian folk art style, the name of which I'm totally blanking on, but it's a very specific style. Oh, uh, I don't know the name of that. I can't remember. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yes. fucking, man, look at that. It's like, I'm a fucking art major, and I don't yeah. remember the name of that. Uh, but anyway, it's absolutely beautiful, and every square yeah. inch of these buildings is decorated the slant, to the nines. The slant of some of the roofs, like, yeah. that is just so interesting. It I, makes I really, it like so the, surreal. The, the sacrifice uh, building is like a, a triangular building. Yeah. Oh, really yeah. Like the strange big, looking. The big yellow yeah. pyramid, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I like that fucking a lot. cool, man. So cool. So that's amazing. They got so much out of nine million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you look at the the cast list, like uh, not mega they, they stars, use, really. Yeah, they use a lot of Swedish actors. Uh, this was like a Swedish American co-production, so. Uh, they they used a whole lot of Swedish actors, which probably got them some sort of tax credit with Sweden. Oh, um, that's true. Okay. Yeah, and then you know, uh, I guess your biggest name here is is really either Will Poulter or William Jackson Harper. Like Florence Pugh is is not huge yet at this point. No, she's been in some other other movies and yeah. stuff since then. But at the time of yeah. this, like not really a huge library of work. Right. Although she, yeah. uh, I think she should be doing a lot more in the future because she's fucking amazing. Oh, she will be. I mean, you know, uh, we talked about fighting with my family, where she plays Paige, WWE's Paige, uh, that was directed by Stephen Merchant and had um, Nick Frost in it. You yeah. remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, she's really good in that. Uh, she was in that Little Women uh, that oh, came yeah. out. That's right. Just mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, in the new Black Widow, she plays Yelena Belova, who in the comics is the second generation Black Widow. So Oh no shit. I, I would imagine they're introducing her in the new um Black Widow to have bl- a, a new Black Widow in the future. Dude, movies. I didn't know that. Yeah. So hopefully that's what is going on. Cause she's great. I, I really like her in this especially. Like she she just she's I, I don't know how you give that much emotion in all these scenes. She had to be wrecked for days after each of these scenes. I can't imagine. It had to yeah. be absolutely exhausting. I mean, just like, you know, um, in Hereditary. Oh, uh, uh, Tony Collette. Thank yeah. you, Tony Collette. Like, yeah. her her in that movie, I mean, that had to be one of the most draining roles ever. I think she said it was the yeah. hardest thing she's ever done. Yeah, I, I cannot imagine. But, yeah, like, uh, so, yeah, Will Poulter... He was like in Maze Runner and We Are the Millers and and all that. The Revenant. So yeah. like he's he's maybe and also the guy who plays Christian. He's in a few things, but like he he doesn't. He's not one of the standouts, but he's in Mowgli and uh, a few other. He was in the Transformers Age of Extinction movie. Okay. So he's he's big enough, but William Jackson Harper is from the Good Place. Which I've heard is awesome, but I've never seen it's it. It's absolutely awesome. And his character is, uh, uh, I relate to his character a lot. Right He's on. very uh, anxious and neurotic and has trouble making choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, The Good Place is well worth a watch. But I've heard it anyway, is. These, these aren't huge names, though. So, like, yeah, you're not spending a ton on the, the actors. You're not spending a ton on location. Probably not spending a ton getting those buildings built. It really is just about getting everybody to Hungary and then uh, executing your vision with amazing special effects. Yeah. Well, and too, like, considering how much of the movie is outdoor shots, 
I'm sure yeah. they also saved a ton on lighting and stuff because it seems like they just used that completely cloudless, hmm. glaringly bright sky and sun yeah. to light everything. The movie has this, I don't know, like blown out, overexposed, washed out look to it. Like if mm-hmm. you just, you know, if you just say Midsummer to me, like the immediate thing that comes to mind is like, you know, like those cliffs that the uh, the couple jumps off of. It's like these chalk white cliffs with this. Yes. Like the sky is not even blue during that scene. Uh, during that scene, the sky is white. Like everything is so vividly bright and sunny. It's so opposite from like every horror movie. And they emphasize this by you know dressing everybody from the uh, the Horga cult in like bright whites with minimal color and stuff. It's just all so washed out and very, yeah. it's very white-centric, which is something that it we'll is. get to. <laughs> we'll get to, yeah, why why it is so white-centric. But yeah, th- this movie, the look of it, especially with all the whiteness and then the the flowers, like any scene where they start, you know, like the after the she wins the Maypole thing, they start draping her in these really bright flowers and she stands out more and more and more the more flowers they put on her. And then by the end, you know, she's covered in flowers. She's the centerpiece of, of the shots. It's, yeah. And she's like a damn like flower slug by the end of the movie. She looks dude, like she has yes. antennae and this like big slug body. that's mm-hmm. just flowers. When she's like walking in front of the, the like burning temple, I really want somebody to replace uh, the terrible remastered new hope job of the hut over her <laughs> in that scene i love it that would be perfect yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing oh yeah. ps2 i sent you a really crazy thing you guys can find on youtube just look up midsummer ending no music somebody oh, right dude somebody I, I don't know how they they did it if they atta- attained the the sound files of just the vocals and stuff like that but yeah yeah somebody managed to take that last scene and omit all the music from it and it is disturbing Grim. <laughs> yeah it's very disturbing with no i mean you know there's still the people singing and stuff yeah they the didn't take all music out they just took the added music out so you, you hear the people hear the singing wailing, her and coughing. Then, yeah, the wailing and the coughing and the the screams Ooh, uh you man. hear christian like his muffled screams because he's like paralyzed yeah oh my oh, god it's, it's disturbing yeah as all fuck it's it's funny yeah. like hereditary really had a similar thing where it's like the end of the movie in the treehouse with that that soundtrack dude like even just thinking about the soundtrack at the end of hereditary with the bells yeah. and stuff like i'm getting it chills just keeps right getting now louder and louder and oh just, my yeah, god it's very dude. chilling and it turns this like super hideous disgusting ugly thing into this weird marvelous beautiful yeah mystical scene in this movie yeah i'm getting I chills think, seriously just thinking about yeah. it. yeah and i think i think ari aster finds that really funny to overblow uh, the ending that way, I think he he gets some like joy out of just like really because like kind of the thing with Ari Aster movies is you're either in or you're out like and if you're in, he feels like he's got you so oh, he can dude. just have this insane ending where it's just like crazy shit happening and, and I'm buying and it. like and you're buying it and you're yeah. also like i think this is a happy ending yeah maybe because the music <laughs> yeah. told me so like he seems yeah. to know really 
that soundtrack can propel your emotions so much. And I think he does that very intentionally as the art of diversion and the art of just manipulation where your feelings about a scene are so dictated by that soundtrack. He knows that and he uses it very well because the soundtracks of both of those movies are amazing. And the soundtrack in this one is so cool because most of it is organic music that the people in the movie are experiencing. It's not overlaid soundtrack. It's, the music that's happening in the background, which is that very special term that we we always forget the name of. <laughs> Diegetic. <laughs> Boom! Yes! Yeah, Scored that lovely. It. You got yeah. it, man. I mean, Finally I kn- learned after four I years. Knew it. I, I knew it. I just wanted to see if you knew it. So you passed the test, Steve. You did. I hope that's it. What if I'm wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It's People Dianetics. Like, it's Dianetics idiot. is what it's called. Yeah. Dianetics. Damn you need it. to reread your L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> Learn about soundtracks. Learn about <laughs> manipulation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. It's more like it. But yeah, the soundtrack in this is fucking incredible. It's all yeah, these just like, great. it's singing and it's like wood instruments and simple drums and <laughs> nothing at all that's Dude, electric based. It, it does. It manipulates you so well. And it the, brings the you into the scene too. I mean, the fact yeah. that it's not synthesizers and electric guitars and orchestra. Because up there in the hills with this cult, you don't have that shit. The fact that they chose to make the music feel so organic and appropriate for the location makes it seem even more like part of the movie and not just some shit they added later. Yeah. Yeah, it does, for sure. Amazing soundtrack. I think that everything does tie together, like the the visuals, the, the music. Everything does just tie together so well that, like, even... Even if somebody were to say they didn't like this movie, I don't know that they could say it's like poorly done. Like Dude, no one can ever. Would, they would though. Like, did you read yeah. any of the IMDb reviews? A That's lot of them true. are scalding. Just like this is the worst yeah. movie I've ever seen. A well, lot of people of do not get this movie. To, some of that might have to do with again the racism we're going to talk about oh. in a little bit. But um, yeah, I yeah. Anyway, so let's let's talk about like the sources for this movie because this okay, yeah. this this seems like you know something that may have some real deep historical truths to it, but it also seems like it could be a fairy tale. Like it seems like he kind of merged the two. Like I, I mm-hmm. understand that Ari did a lot of research into mm-hmm. Scandinavian well, folklore yeah. and the runic language yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but then there's. Yeah. There's elaborations and just some things that, you know, we suppose are true, but maybe not true that he added in. Right. Yeah. Uh, what did you find about the sources of this? All right. So, I mean, the the central sort of idea of uh, the uh, elders being sacrificed at a certain time, Atastupa, I think they call it, or Yeah, Atastupa, yeah, giving up yeah, their lives Atastupa. and stuff, yeah. Yeah, uh, it literally translates to kin precipice, which is supposedly the sites where ritual sinicide, which is when you kill an older person because they're old, I guess. Uh, <laughs> like the ending of Dinosaurs. Where they well, take grandma to the cliffs. Hold on, don't get ahead of me. <laughs> okay, Do we're gonna not get to get dinosaurs because we are gonna get to dinosaurs. <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> this all leads back to dinosaurs, <laughs> like most things on this show. Yes. <laughs> what are we doing? Why don't we start a dinosaurs? Yeah, podcast? we should just have a dinosaurs podcast. I think maybe we're just dropping these Easter eggs so that the the swell builds and everything. 
one's just like dinosaurs podcast yeah this is all we do it organic um hype and promotion for our future mm-hmm. we've been doing this horror podcast for four years yeah just to build up hype for our future dinosaurs podcast. You just wait till you hear the crowds as we walk out to do a live <sighs> yeah. show of our dinosaurs oh podcast did you know they had a, a horror show mama. too so anyway so uh supposedly during nordic prehistoric times elderly people would throw themselves or were thrown to their deaths off of these these cliffs but the majority of researchers agreed that this never existed it wasn't a real practice it's just a part of folklore Uh, what are you telling me steve you're also one of those fucking giant deniers and fucking fairy deniers and uh goblin deniers are you one of those two ample evidence of goblins thank you okay we all know they exist anybody could just put a finger up your nose boom you got one (laughs) not that kind of goblin not the old nose goblin yeah talk about cheddar goblin Here's the thing. The researchers agree that this didn't happen in these Nordic countries, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. In Sardinia, for instance, Hmm. on the island of Sardinia, human sacrifices of 70-year-old fathers were made by their sons to the Titan Cronus, supposedly. Wow. Um, Now, I'll I'll get into just how accurate that is in a second, but it... It's also alleged that Sardinians had a custom of throwing incapable or ill elders off of certain cliffs. Okay. Well, see, the the thing that, that just, like, triggers in my mind about, like, this might not be true, how many people lived to age 70 back then anyway? Um, you'd be surprised. The, the medieval European idea that we all died in our 40s and then also the victorian work from the time you can walk dying in your 30s gives us all the idea that in the past that we all had lower life expectancies but that's not true and well-developed uh, civilizations throughout the period people were living well into their 70s 80s 90s in rome and greece especially that was that was very common touche sardinians it has been confirmed that sardinians did practice euthanasia though it was performed this is i'm not making this up performed by selected women called acabadoras which literally translates to terminator holy shit metal dude the terminators would bless the ill or suffering person and then they would kill them through suffocation or blunt force to the back of the head with a wooden mallet if there's not an all-girl metal band called that, somebody fucking do Akabadora. it now. Please. Yeah. So, okay, so let me talk about the, the supposedly them, you know, sacrificing the Cronus. There's also a Roman yeah. proverb that states that 60-year-olds should be thrown from a bridge. And <laughs> Okay, boomers. <laughs> that's a great proverb, by the way. 60-year-olds should be thrown from a bridge. And everybody's like, I, I get that one, and I agree. Um, Especially before they can vote in november shit (laughs) yeah the thing about sardinians sacrificing their fathers and this this roman proverb is likely that the meaning is um in roman provinces the voting place would be across a bridge so that uh you were less likely to be stopped from voting like because you know you got this waterway and this narrow bridge so people can't really prevent you from either side and the guards can keep people away more easily okay uh, because trying to prevent people from vote 
voting is always a thing. Uh, voter uh, suppression's not real, Steve. Get with the it times. Is. Come it on. Is. Um, and so the idea is that if you're old, you shouldn't be allowed to vote. You should be thrown from the bridge as you're going to vote. Wow. Uh, and <laughs> I think a lot of us might agree with that proverb. I mean, At the a thing certain is, age, you're uh, not voting for your future. No. You're voting for somebody else's, and yeah. you don't get a say. Uh-uh, you're not going to be here, so why do you care? Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Also, after so, a certain age, you shouldn't be able to run for president and make decisions about what's going to affect all of our lives after your fucking worm food. Absolutely. I say to everyone running for president yeah. right now. Yeah. I don't, you know, I honestly don't think that anyone should be prevented from voting. But, yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to hold public office out after a yeah. certain age. It really is. <laughs> it's just more of a danger to everyone else anyway uh so <laughs> <laughs> movies there, yeah there are some other uh sources that definitely probably uh have some influence because they influenced logan's run uh oh, which yeah. is probably you know a major influence for sure because came out the the novel came out in 67 uh, and then the the movie came out in 76 and you know it's it's been around. i remember watching it as a kid uh, but there was a, a book called The Old Law in 1656 that was about euthanasia of 80-year-old men and 60-year-old women by throwing off of a cliff. And then uh, in 1882, there was The Fixed Period, which was set in the future of 1980. <laughs> and possibly far yeah. in the future. Yeah, where euthanasia at 68 was set. But here's where I think, and and I have... a I leave a well-reasoned argument for this here's where i think ari aster got the idea at its core for this story and you mentioned dinosaurs yeah okay so ben let me tell you about two episodes of television that came out from may 4th to may 10th of 1991 <gasps> star trek the next generation on May 4th. Okay. Or May 6th, sorry. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episode on May 6th was an episode entitled Half a Life, in which a society that they encountered has a cultural tradition, bleh, cultural tradition of 60-year-olds voluntarily choosing euthanasia. Four days after this, Dinosaurs episode, Hurling yes. Day, yes. in which... In which, on the 72nd birthday, just like this movie, no. 72nd birthday of a dinosaur there to be thrown off a cliff into a tar pit. These oh came gosh. out within a short period of time. Ari Aster was five. And he was five. There's no way that affected him. That was you. That was how you talk, person who doubts me. Yeah. Because I specifically remember... An episode of television from when I was five. It was the episode of um, the, the Family Ties where Alex P. Keaton's friend dies. And he's oh. talking about death the whole episode. And that's when I realized that we all die. Yeah, when totally. When I was five from that episode of television. So it is very possible Ari Esther was Extremely. like, I watched that episode of 
of a Star Trek, and that was weird. And then a few days later, they did it again on Dinosaurs. Well, that's the thing, Because these are like, two shows I watched when I was a kid. Like, yeah. It's very possible. You said 1990, right? 91. 91. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I was like six when that came out, and I remember that yeah. shit. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely plausible. Uh, and this was obviously inspired by Jack Kevorkian, whose first uh, public assisted suicide took place in 1990, and yeah. the murder charges were dropped in December of 1990. So that's what these shows were working off of. Hot Topics. It was Hot Topic. It's definitely something that I think it, this is carryover from something that scarred him as a child, for sure. <laughs> wow. Like, because the fact that he chose very specifically 72nd birthday, because all of the sources I just said, not one of them says 72nd, except dinosaurs. Hmm. So That's awesome. Yeah. I think dinosaurs inspired this amazing horror movie. <laughs> Dude, I love it. That makes me like this movie even more. Me too. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, right. I watched that as a kid, too. I'm glad he got that out of it. <laughs> Dude, if we ever meet Ari Aster, that's got to be like the first yeah. thing that we ask. He's so, like, so yeah. how about that dinosaurs, huh? And he'll be like, how, about how, that did, dinosaurs, you know? huh? how yeah. did you know? It's obvious. The, if the next episode is about steroids, we know what's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. His next, next episode. Movie, his next it, movie. Yeah. It's all about, yeah, people that get jacked up on steroids and stuff for sure. <laughs> God, this is like two weeks in an hour. We're talking, two yeah. weeks in a row, we're talking about those well, specific episodes yeah. on the Patreon Twilight Zone I'm episode getting- we just did. How can you escape dinosaurs? It's, I mean, it's just one of the most important television yeah. shows of all time. <laughs> Next episode, we discuss why not the mama. Why not the mama? Oh yes. my god, dude! <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So he drew from a lot of sources of European folklore and American pop culture. You're saying? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, we got stuff in here like the, all the traditional stuff from Midsummer sort of celebrations, like. The Maypole yeah. and the Fertility Maypole. rights. Fertility rights. Yeah, this is really about that. I mean, the, the Maypole is corrupted by Christian thought. It originally is most likely associated with just the ancient worship of trees. But then Thomas Hobbes came along and was like, oh, it's a dick, right? So <laughs> him and his dirty mind. Yeah, Hobbes, keep your that, mind I mean, out of the gutter. That's how cutter. Puritans are, right? Puritans did that. I mean, not that yeah. Thomas Hobbes was purely a Puritan, but he was very much influenced by puritanical thought. Uh, and like the Maypole was actually one of the earliest scandals in America. Was some indentured servants left the the uh, established colony and, and created their own city called uh, Marymount. And they had a Maypole celebration, which was a scandal. Look out. Yeah. Probably I, had women I, showing their ankles off and stuff. Boy, howdy, I bet they were. Woo! I, whoo, look at that ankle. You ever see such a bulge? Have mercy. <laughs> so, yeah, like this, yeah, this is definitely drawing from the, like, already established Midsummer celebrations. And Midsummer is popular in Sweden. It's, it's like, often... They're currently petitioning to try to make it a national holiday, but it, it's been celebrated pretty widely for a long time there and in tons of other European countries. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that stuff. Like even the uh, little bit in there where after she's you know crowned to be the May Queen and she 
Uh, they like bury some meat and seeds and crack an egg on it to bless the fields. Like that's that's real. That's something that they used to do back in the day to bless the fields and harvest for the oncoming season. I mean, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, you got to like, bless them fields, dude. A lot of those traditions and stuff that we look at, and a lot of the Norse mythology and things we look at, and it seems so strange and alien. But dude, if you're born in a fjord and all there are are giant mountains and sometimes the sun stays out for weeks at a time right. mm-hmm. and the climate is as harsh as it is and stuff you start going you know frost giants kind of would make sense <laughs> yeah probably frost giants yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. if that's all you ever saw and that's all you knew maybe for all you knew the whole fucking world was like that you know yeah and it's probably frost giants that do it yeah that makes sense i'm with you yeah i think so <laughs> So yeah, the, the the all of these things uh definitely draw, you know, inspiration uh from from stuff that's that's real. So that's why it feels so like, oh, this is probably, you know, all based on on reality, but a lot of it is invention. A lot yeah. of it is just, you know, uh really good research and realizing how to use like we'll uh, talk about like some of the runes that are used throughout and what they obviously are indicating and like he he really put a lot of attention to detail that makes it all feel so real and plausible. Yeah, and even like the the blood eagle death that you mentioned earlier is one of those things that they're like, we're not really sure that that's medically possible to do. Yeah, that. it's it's most likely that that it was a Christian myth meant to demonize the Nordic. Uh, paganism yeah so, see that's exactly what i was going to say even about like the elder ritual suicide and stuff right. is like that stuff that christians would come back home and be like yep they was throwing their meme on paper off a cliff over there yep it's and bad. then you know you rile everybody up to go save them and then saving them means killing and raping them yeah usually a lot yeah, of times that good yeah. christians uh-huh uh, uh. yeah so th- this movie is very anti-christian for sure um yeah names the most hateable character christian christian yeah it's one of those things that is not at all subtle uh, (laughs) subtle. yeah and there's a lot of things in this movie like we'll we'll get into this too but like this movie makes zero effort to hide its most blatant intentions i think that there is a lot of subtext that is very subtle which is great because it's buried by these blatant things like having a white american guy called christian go mm-hmm. in and try to invade this Nordic land and study their customs and be like, I yeah. think I'll write a thesis about this. And it's like, you fucking dickwad. This is these people's lives and religions and customs. And to you, this is just like a carnival attraction. Like the way that Christian and his friends observe the people of the, of the Horga. I'm saying that right, yeah. right? Horga? Yeah. Uh, Horgan. Yeah. Horgan, that's yeah. What they, yeah. L- like, they observe them like they're going to the zoo. Like they really yeah. don't try to. Yeah, and they talk about them. Yeah, openly. Yeah, they're very ugly American type of tourists. Yeah. 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 I've seen I've seen this in other countries too. Yeah, where people it's just like they're talking openly. It's like, dude, so many people here speak English. They hear you talking about them. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's one of the things I really picked up on the first time that I watched the movie is like. This is very much about Americans, you know, invading other cultures and just sure. completely shitting all yeah. over them and being bad tourists and stuff. Yeah, but I don't think that that's a huge part of the message of the movie. But yeah. I do think it's it's not subtle that it is part of it. It, it it's not subtle, and it's also to sort of show how um, how well 
um, orchestrated this is all by this cult. Like, mm-hmm. that they see them doing all this. The only time anybody calls out their ugly Americanness is when uh, Will Poulter's character uh, pees on their ancestral tree. Mm-hmm. That's the only time anybody really steps up and is like, no, these assholes. Like, he, he's saying that. Like, he's saying they're assholes. Like, basically indicating what everybody has been thinking this whole time but can't say because they're trying to lull them into this sense of security. So it's it, it's showing how, like, these Americans thinking they're in, in, uh, enforcing their values are actually just being played. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And there's also like little subtle things in there where, you know, once they arrive um at the uh at the side of the celebration and stuff, like um most of the dudes haven't even learned a word of, of Swedish. They're not right. even, they didn't remotely even try. yeah trying to blend in. But like uh Florence Pugh's character has at least a little tiny bit of conversational Swedish. Like she has she the formalities tries, yeah. down. She at least tries. And they they go out of their way to make her feel like she's doing a good job, which is, I mean, actually, usually true when you speak a, a foreign language and in another country, people are usually pretty uh, uh, supportive of it. Um, yeah, it's it's only in America I've ever experienced seeing people being like, "Can you not talk English?" Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like yeah. Danny's the only one that really tries to observe their traditions and and be a part of them even remotely i mean i mean even like the lead up to the movie where the dudes are talking about the trip and um uh what what is will's character's name is it it mark the fool yeah mark that's it yeah the fool yeah Mm. he's the guy that's just like i just want to impregnate some hot squeeze and it's just like yeah he's coming here to party and take drugs and that's the thing like like uh, this is I, we talked about this a little on the minisode, like how accurate I feel like the drug scenes are. Oh, and yeah. And this is like it, just like real good either writing or just Will Poulter knows really well what it's like to be on a trip. But the way he starts acting where he's like, oh, no, here's a new person. I don't want to see new people. Like, Yeah, everybody like lie the, down. It feels yeah. awesome. That's the worst person to trip with. Like Ugh. the absolute worst person who wants to dictate the trip. And that's like really his whole thing is he's just he's just forcing himself on everybody he doesn't he's not trying to intake anything he's not trying to like be a part of this he's just forcing himself on everybody he's smoking in most scenes like nobody is smoking but in most scenes he's in the background just smoking which is a very intrusive act yeah he's very much just slathering himself all over them and they're like they're letting him because eventually they're gonna skin him and wear him, so. <laughs> wear him like a suit. Yep. Uh, actually, that's that's an interesting thing. There, Ari Aster referred to it. It's a it's um it's called necro pants. The old necro pants. Necro pants. Yeah. I <laughs> a magical a magical yeah. uh, equipment item that adds I think you know plus five to your agility yeah. and evasion and yeah, but it's negative cool one points. to luck, unfortunately. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. that's too bad. But uh, necro pants uh, were pants made from the skin of a dead man, which were believed to, in Icelandic witchcraft, they were believed to be capable of producing an endless supply of money. Yeah, Basically, yeah. you make dead man and... pants reach in your pockets, you always got money, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Um, Going jing-a-ling-a-ling. 
and this is another thing that probably only ever existed in folklore was not real like so much of these things that sound brutal about like vikings were in reality just part of their folklore which and and there's probably some meaning to having your lungs pulled out of your back that we just don't get or maybe that we do get and i didn't do enough research to find who knows if we got any viking listeners let us know yeah i mean i know we have uh, finnish and and swedish listeners so uh, anybody there know if uh, there's some myth like actual folklore or mythical meaning to the blood eagle or any of these things i'd love to know Dude, I'm going to wake up tomorrow to a review on Apple Podcasts from Necropants420. <laughs> that is like, these guys got it cool. all wrong. Yeah. One star. <laughs> one star. Necropants doesn't take shit. He listens uh-uh. to one episode, we get it wrong, get the fuck out. I one demand star. accuracy. <laughs> he's, he's very much into accuracy. <laughs> Yeah, even the necropants thing, like whenever we get that scene where it, it's Josh and he's in the temple mm-hmm. and he is also being, even though he's the scholar, again, he's studying them like they're, they're you know, animals on a safari or something like uh, this. And they're, yeah, they're just part of a, a wider uh, study he's doing too. So he's not even focused particularly on them. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I mean, Christian says he's going to folks particularly. And Christian just steals, like... He yeah, has he no just personality. Yeah. He just steals. Like he's like, "Oh, that's what you're gonna do. That sounds cool. I'll do that too." Well, like, and that's he, interesting he too no- because isn't that also the way that Christians have stolen yes. so many yeah. holidays and rituals and rites from other religions that they've conquered? Right. Yep, that's exactly what I think they were going for. Is that look here? Here's a, a black man with a genuine uh, original idea, and here's a white man to come steal it. He does steal the idea from a black yep. guy. Uh huh. <laughs> Yep. Ain't that America? Yeah, it's time to get into the racism, I guess. Like, Why uh, not? Go for yeah, it. Yeah, because, uh, you know, there are people of color in this, but they all get killed. The only viable options used for... Um, they, they bring in people to breed. The only two they use are uh, Christian and uh, Danny, I guess, will be future brood mother. Um they there's an interesting there's like a sign when they're coming in that's like an anti-immigration sign i didn't catch that you told me about it and i was yeah. like what the fuck are you talking yeah, about yeah it's that upside down shot on the road you know they see that like banner and there's a si- sign off to the side and that's totally like an ari aster trademark there's that shot in that hallway in hereditary where yep. it, it shows uh tony collette walking down that hall and the camera flips upside down like that too yeah he just loves that he does he really likes that and uh, it works i mean it, it it i mean the the film language is obviously the world's being turned upside down yeah right yeah so and it yeah it works but it's an anti-immigration um, thing yeah so well there's there's an anti-immigration sign i mean the people that we meet are all white obviously very been, white they say they they do this all the time they bring in people from outside to breed they're all white so the only people they've been bringing in to breed are white, but they're wow. bringing in people of other colors and killing them. They'd be killing them. Yeah. Um, do which, you think there's any coincidence that, that, that Danny who has crowned their queen at the end is a blonde hair and blue eyed. <laughs> I mean, that those are kind of Aryan yeah. traits, I guess. Yeah. And Christian is red hair and blue eyed. So he's, he's got that like 
Viking Celt sort of thing going on too. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people yeah. misrepresent Vikings as all being like blonde, like Thor. Yeah. But actually, no, red hair was pretty. Common, yeah, I mean, yeah. Thor in mythology was red-haired. Actually, it wasn't yeah. blonde. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. That, those would be more Nord sort of traits that both yep. of those characters have. There, there's definitely um, some statement being made here about Sweden's history with uh, white supremacy and their their history of from 1935 to 1976 sterilizing uh, over 60,000 people considered inferior or uh, poor or of mixed racial quality. So poor people, not a good look. People with learning difficulties, people not of Nordic blood. Uh, they actually beat, they beat the Nazis to doing this by the way. So, and did it for longer because the Nazis, uh, weren't around. That's rough. I mean, that's such a, and again, you know, to our Swedish listeners, I apologize if I'm an uninformed American, but in my mind, that's such a, a homogenous culture. And from, from my, from my perspective of the world and, and knowing like, uh, especially a lot of like the, the black metal bands and stuff like that, that come from, uh, you know, Norway and Finland and Iceland and Sweden and a lot of these other countries in that area, there is a, there's a very strong white supremacist neo-nazi backbone yeah. running through a lot not all yeah, of them not all not black all metal them. bands band not all not all black metal <laughs> not all black metal but there are a lot like there's a lot of them yeah. that have really sketchy really there sketchy are. philosophies yeah. and stuff uh and that, it seems like that that's kind interest, of a problem that interest in runes and in norse gods is very much uh, Man, a part of that yeah. which pisses me off dude because it's like i i used to yeah, and well, and it's like I love Norse mythology and stuff, and it's like I have a couple, you know, like Thor's hammer, like Mjolnir necklaces and stuff with runes on them and all that. And now I'm like, God damn it! it like whenever I like see a white supremacist. exactly, yeah. like I see other people wearing that shit and they're fucking white supremacists. So I'm like, God damn it! Have they just ruined this for me too, or what? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Fuck white supremacists. Fuck white supremacists. Ruining everything. Yeah, ruin it all, man. Yeah. So, uh, Ari Aster has talked about how this is, is in a way, uh, about, you know, this Swedish history and European history of, um, you know, white supremacy. Wow. And pure bloodlines and all this kind of stuff, Yeah. And, and also about the rising white supremacy in America and this obsession with racial preservation damn yeah so that is ugly well and the thing is too is like he even makes an effort to show us that you know ruben our our cloud fella from this movie who is a a blatant product of purposeful inbreeding and incest yeah Yeah, like he writes the holy books well i say quote writes the holy books yeah he he just smears smears paint paint on them and they pretend like they mean anything it's like you know, almost like somebody tweets out some incomprehensible bullshit, and then his defenders say like, "Well, you you can't like take him." No, at that's face not what he value. meant. Yeah, no, no, that's he not meant, what he meant. This, this other thing. It's not about put. Yeah. It's not about drinking bleach. Yeah. Uh, but but no, you're right. It's like it makes an effort to show us that like even the leaders of this group are led by this blatantly, you know, again, product of incest. Yeah. Um, physically disabled person that finger paints on paper and they interpret it as their new truth and their new religion and this is right. how they run things. 
And they've apparently done this for generations and generations and generations. Right. And they see him as, because he is, uh, his thoughts are unclouded and his blood is pure, that's why they listen to him. Yeah. And and also, too, just, just as a quick, P, uh, sorry, as a quick PS, I see a lot of people, and, and I realized I might have just put my foot in a pothole right there, too, calling him physically disabled, because... I see a lot of people that come in hot on this movie for being like, this movie demonizes people that are born with physical defects. It does nothing of the sort. I don't think it ever sort. demonizes him. No. no, he doesn't do anything wrong. No, it doesn't show any sort of malice or evil intent on his part. Like, no. Ruben, through the whole movie... He's being used. Yeah. Like, yeah. he doesn't do anything. He is absolutely just being used by these people to justify... Just, yeah. The things that they're doing. So, no, Just I like, do not uh, think so. Just like Danny's being used as the May Queen. Like, she yeah. now, whenever other Americans come in, she now can be like, oh, no, no, it's cool. And, like, lure them in better. Like, they're, they're really just finding ways to lure in more people to kill and to expand this white supremacy they've got going on. Yeah, uh, and, you know, that kind of leads me to one really acute observation that I had about the movie this time around. Okay. Um, and we can talk about the Horga as, as a cult. I mean, we can talk about neo-Nazis as a cult. I mean, it's all right. these special interest groups that focus on one thing and breed this familial relationship and tend to take in strays from the outskirts of humanity and stuff like this, or people that feel disowned or disenfranchised. Um, something that really stood out to me this time around is how Danny herself is very much very much kind of an archetype of the typical person that ends up getting led into a cult yeah or into white supremacy yeah yeah you know the, like this is yeah. a person who has experienced um huge trauma, trauma. yeah incredible. they've lost their family they've lost they their have family no, no tight connections with anyone mm -hmm. yeah. all they've ever known is toxic relationships yep there yes and and he he gaslights her like crazy especially Absolutely. i watched the director's cut there's probably about it, the director's cuts 20 minutes long about half of that occurs uh before they even get to sweden really man i, I meant mean, to mention it, it that is, earlier i, I wish yeah. i could have watched the director's cut all i've seen is the theatrical because the director's cut now is like Man, it's like vanished. It's not streaming anywhere. I guess unless you yeah. have like Apple was Apple TV or whatever. I don't have that, so yeah. I couldn't even find deleted scenes on YouTube or anything like that. So I'm interested to know what the differences are. Well, there was an expansion on their relationship in okay. the director's cut. You see more of their interactions, and you really see what a shit he is. Oh, like, he's he fucking just, sucks. He sucks as a boyfriend. Now here's here's what I will say. Uh, it is not wrong if you get into a relationship with someone and you find out they have a mental illness. If you can't handle that, it's not wrong to get out of that relationship. In yeah. fact, you're doing a service to that person because a person with, uh, say, I have an anxiety disorder. My wife suffers from depression. Uh, a person who is finally going to open up to you about their, their mental illness, they, they need to know you're going to be there. Yeah, and if, if you're, you're not, not going to take gonna it be seriously, there, don't tell them you will. Yeah. He he's he is not there for her, but she keeps reaching out to him and he needs he and they his friends even say it that he's been dragging her along along for this long time when he doesn't want to be with her. Like Yeah. 
So that that's that's like, I mean, the reason I bring that up is I, I could see somebody trying to defend Christian and be like, well, it's hard to be in a relationship with somebody who has mental illness. It's like, well, yes, definitely it is. And that's why you don't drag it out yeah. like he's doing. He's an asshole for doing this. He's yep. He is making her uh, feel like she can confide in him. And then when she does confide in him, he's making her feel like shit for it. But that's the problem, dude, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, too, because I saw so, so fucking many of my, you know, guy friends choose girls that, you know, they would refer to as fixer-uppers, you know, or girls that would date guys that were quote-unquote fixer-uppers. Right. You There's can't. this hero syndrome. Yeah. And it's like, you can't dude, do it. Yeah. if you're talking about an emotional problem, a chemical imbalance, you, you can't, can't do it. that. It's It's learning to deal with it. Yeah, exactly, yeah, like, man. I, and I say, I, uh, I say, she has mental illness. I, I think a lot of people might be like, she doesn't have mental illness. She's just being mistreated. She, she definitely has an anxiety disorder. As somebody with an anxiety disorder, they're very much portraying her as having an anxiety disorder. Well, it shows, um, it shows her taking prescription Ativan yes. at the first of the movie yes. too. So it's like it shows you that she is trying to seek treatment. Yep. Uh, and, she, and obviously, too, based on the behavior of her sister, there might be a, a history of familial mental illness. Yeah. You know? She is a clear communicator. It's very obvious she's trying to do her best with what she has. So yeah. it's it's his fault. He's the asshole here. Absolutely. He fucking yeah. sucks, man. But, but you know what I mean? It's like Danny is like so many of those people yeah. that you yeah, read about that with, ended up in Heaven's Gate. She keeps gate. trying to excuse away the way that he twists her words and stuff. She just wants him to be that good boyfriend. Exactly. Oh, and yeah. that's why she ends up in a cult, too. It's like yep. the a lot of the people that were members of, of Jonestown, for example, were disenfranchised black people. They were old right. people that had been forgotten by their families yes. and their communities. And yep. then they come into this, you know, uh, the people's temple and they show them respect and they give them things to do. They give them a meaning yep. in life. And they're like, these people must love me. And then you end up in fucking French Guyana drinking the fucking Flavor-Aid, man. <laughs> yeah, you don't even get Kool-Aid. Yeah, Flavor-Aid. <laughs> that would have been my loud. last complaint before getting shot for not drinking Flavor-Aid. <laughs> I'd have been like, dude, you couldn't have spared the extra nickel for yeah. fucking Kool-Aid. <laughs> Fuck you. God damn. But like Dick Danny it. in so many ways represents your average person that ends up in a cult. Yeah, she does. Yeah, and, and she gets used, and and um, it's terrible. I mean, that that is, of course, one reading of it. The, there is a current... Uh, a reading I see it a good bit on Twitter and and I I'm I think you know uh, Kate said this in our pre-production that uh, you know doesn't matter what the artist intends it's about what people get out of it and what people have been seemingly getting out of midsummer is yeah. this good message of a woman getting out of a toxic relationship that's what I got out of it the first time that I watched yeah, the movie me too. it's like that's by the what end of the I really movie, got out of it too you know, it's like she has literally burnt down her past yep. life. Like everybody that she came to um, the, com the the commune with has uh -huh. been destroyed. She has yep. no family there who's going to go Pele. looking for her, except for Pele, but, which is yeah, her new with, brother and she stuff. She barely knows, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, her entire past life has been burnt down. She has no one at home looking for her. Um, and she finds acceptance among these people that show her yep. empathy and sympathy and, and all this stuff. The first time that yeah. I watched it, 
that's what I got out of it too. And I think but I not think the second time. Nope. I think that's a great message, and if that's what you get out of it, great. I hope I hope you know that that helps. Uh, I I think that all the other stuff is there and needs to be addressed. <laughs> like it it seems like she's out of the frying pan and into the fire to me, and that despite the fact that she's smiling at the end it's not a happy ending despite the fact that the music is telling us it's a happy ending it's it's just the beginning of more people getting killed well that's the thing about this man is that ultimately what i see out of this and there's there's so many ways that you can draw parallels um ultimately it kind of shows you that being in the type of toxic relationship that she is in at the first of the movie is very much like being in a cult. Whenever you look at stuff like Jonestown and you, you know, you read about it, you know, as somebody on this side of history, you read about it and you're like, how did these people not see the signs? It reminds, it reminds you so much of like whenever you've had that friend who's been in a toxic relationship and you go, how can you not see the signs? They're happening right. all around you, but you're ignoring it because no, this person he's, cares he's about to me. But he's nice. When you guys aren't around, yeah. Exactly. It's that kind of thing. This whole movie does so well to show you the parallels between what it is like to get drafted into a cult and how similar that is to being in an abusive, toxic relationship with someone yeah. where you ignore all the ugly parts. Yeah. Because of the good parts that seem to mean so much to you. I yeah. think this movie does a fucking incredible job of drawing parallels between those two things. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, not to pervert or ruin the the um, Yes Queen ending, but in a lot of ways, it's like she's gone from a toxic relationship to a toxic relationship where she's treated like a queen like that the toxicity is still there it's just that it's being masked by the flowers it's being masked by the flowers the dancing. yeah, yeah the, be- the beauty of it all yeah 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 i think so that you're exactly right and, and that's one of those things too that is so subtly placed through the whole movie like one thing that really jumped out at me this time around it's like not even long after they've been up there with the horga people there's kind of that like initial like start of the festivities thing where like there's the uh the woman who's up on the sun podium and she like yes. does the toast and she's like scold like during that yeah. whole speech about like this is our rights of fertility blah 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 like the history of the of the festival did you notice how it just randomly cuts to reuben and no. it, it show it, there's a super close up. It's the first time you see him. It's oh, Ruben's yes, face. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Ran, yeah, like that's the earliest shot you see yeah. him in, and it just shut. It just cuts to him out of nowhere. Yeah, it cuts to him out of nowhere. It shows his face. It shows him finger painting on paper. Right. And the speech is going on over it, and it never shows you where the fuck he is. It never no, it goes doesn't. back to explain to you, like, it never shows, like, Mark being like, who the fuck is that guy over there finger painting? Because the thing is, is whenever you are in this kind of relationship or getting into a cult or whatever, you ignore the ugly. You ignore the right. things that are happening that are fucked up because you're so entranced yep. by, 
oh my god the community the ritual the celebration the pageantry of it all maybe we should stop using the word cult and start using religion because uh that's that's like walking into a a church isn't that what they're set up for to show you like the success of the church and show you how everyone's dressed well yeah all these things and you can be part of it dude the, the whole equation is Cult plus time over money equals, equals religion. religion. Yep. That's a fact. That's all <laughs> yep, there is to it. it. Is. Yeah. So you could say, as you're getting entranced into religion, you you don't even see the ugly parts that are going on. That random shot of Ruben, I didn't even really notice the first time through, but this time I was like, why the fuck did it just show me that? And why isn't <laughs> is, anyone is an reacting to it? It's yeah. no, Dude, it's no different than whenever they're walking through the grounds. They see the bear in the cage sitting out there in the open. It's not even hidden. It's right there in the open. And I think it's Mark is like, what's with the bear? And right. it's either Pele it's or Pele's brother is like, yeah. it's a bear. That's yeah, it. That's what mm-hmm. And everybody ignores it. Again, because yep. of the glamour and the costumes and blah, blah, blah. Um, right. It's the same shit that you see with people in toxic relationships. I think that through the course of this movie, Danny goes through one toxic relationship and ends up in another one. This is the pattern yep. of a lot of codependent people. Yep. Uh, they end up in other codependent relationships, you know? Yeah. And she, she, but the thing is, from the beginning, she, the first shot we see is, of course, trees and winter and whatnot. But the first shot of Danny we see, she's frowning. Yep. She's frowning throughout most of the the final scene until she finally smiles. The first time in the movie that she smiles is when she's on drugs dancing around the Maypole. Like at the height of the frenzy of the religious ritual. Right. Where she is on drugs. She is very much, uh, she is now happy. She's found happiness in this. Uh, And... It, it really is, yeah. It, it's like, yeah, there's still a huge level of toxicity here, but for her, she, there's comfort in that because there's like a family element to it. There are mind-bending drugs that are making her probably produce the chemicals that she's not producing regularly. Yep. I know uh, as somebody who has an anxiety disorder, I love LSD and mushrooms. Yeah. They make Great me not anxiety. feel anxiety. Yeah. Well, so let's look she, at it that she probably way too. is enjoying it. Yeah. That's another thing that I really picked up on this time is when you watch this movie as Danny is a person with a lot of personal problems that is the perfect, perfect fodder for cults. Mm-hmm. And you watch this movie and you see the Horga not so much as this group of people that are empathizing with her and sharing her feelings and stuff, which they do, and that's they good. They do, yeah. They Here's absolutely the really get in tune with her. What we ignore a lot of the times is that a lot of cults also do good stuff. If you look at they the do. stuff that yes. Jim Jones did for his communities yeah. and stuff in Indiana and California. He did um, a lot of great, great He did stuff, a lot of yeah. incredible stuff, really yeah. amazing things, then some really fucked up stuff. But yeah. if you look at the way that Danny and the other friends and stuff like this kind of get drafted into this cult, it is all classic cult indoctrination, brainwashing yeah. tactics. Dude, lack of sleep is like yeah. one of the number one things. Jim Jones and all these other guys would keep people awake 24-7, working, right. doing ceremonies, rituals, You sermons. start to hallucinate after a while. Yeah, and you do, you do like with... And you lose uh, free yeah, will. Cause, yeah, causing them to fast or to go long periods. Like, fa- fasting yep. is 
a pretty big deal. Well, in you can the say Mormon fasting church. or forced starvation. You know, right? Yeah, um, you see that with like Om Shinrikyo. You saw that in Jim Jones. All right. these other things. They keep people to where they're just barely alive. They deprive yeah. them of all the things that you have to have, like sleep and nutrition, and you yeah. just become this malleable, like, I'll do whatever. And that's when they start doing things like introducing uniforms. Notice they, they put her in an apron. They put her in the garb. They put her in the crown. They put her in the slug flower costume. Uh-huh. They cut them off from family. There's no cell phone reception up there. Nobody no. can reach yeah. anybody. Yeah, she has no one to reach anyway. I think she has that one friend she calls at the the beginning. The one friend, and that's it. Yeah, that's it, yeah. You know? I mean, everything that they do is classic cult stuff, down to, to giving him drugs and stuff like that. Again, Om Shinrikyo did fucking tons of that stuff to turn their participants just into malleable putty that they could do anything they want to, and then they carried a fucking sarin gas attack in the Tokyo subways. Everything that they do, it seems so innocent and like, this is their culture, these are their rituals, blah, blah, blah. That's cult indoctrination, 100%. Yeah, they're they're a death cult. They, yeah, they they start out with something super shocking and then explain it away and they know they have you at that point. Yep, and and then you ignore it because of all the great things that are going on outside of that. You see two people jump off the cliff to their deaths. Uh, and you don't leave at that point, they know they have you. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do leave, they just kill you. That's what they did with the people <laughs> that wanted to. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about this movie, too, uh, that, that I really caught, especially considering my reaction to the movie the first time around versus this time around, is that this movie does to the audience what people in toxic relationships and cults do so well because the first time that i got to the end of the movie i was totally like fuck yeah she found her people she found people that connect with her and care about her blah 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 i left the movie really feeling like this in the end was a happy ending right and then this time around i was like she's smiling at the end of the movie among these people who blatantly endorse incest Probably right. white supremacy from everything you're telling me. She's seen them commit murder. Murder. Like, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, yes, dude, like, Christian sucks. Mark sucks. Her friends are very disrespectful. They of the don't deserve and stuff to like die. That. They deserve to fucking die? <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. To be burnt to death inside of a bear? Yeah, exactly. But But then again, it's like people in toxic relationships are just like, Oh, he's so nice to me. He did this for me. Yeah, he hit me last Wednesday, but blah, blah, blah. Like, they ignore all yeah, the bad parts. Yeah, you ignore the big shocking stuff. Because... And that's the thing about this movie, dude. It brainwashes you as a viewer yeah. and goes, like, if there was, like, a thing at the very end where after she smiles at the camera, it was just Ari Aster, and he snaps his fingers and goes, and this is how people end up joining cults. You watch this <laughs> shit on the news, and you're like, I could never end up in something like that. That's crazy. Heaven's Gate like... putting this purple shroud on. No, actually, like, because at the end of this movie, if you're like, she's in a great situation, you just joined a cult. <laughs> you just joined a cult. Right? <laughs> if you watch this movie and think uh-huh. it's a happy ending, uh-huh. you just joined a cult. It's crazy, though, because the first time through, I did feel good for her. I was like, wow, she did it. She found people that, you know, unlike the first of the movie where she was mourning her family and Kristen was just trying to get her to shut up, basically. These Mm -hmm. people in that incredible scene 
wail with her. They grieve yeah. with her. The, yeah, the that's joys amazing. Are, you know, like yeah, her joys are like, the the community's devastating joys. Devastating scene. Oh my god, dude! And everybody screams when the people are on fire in there and yeah. stuff. It seems so empathetic. Like she's found her people. I had forgotten that. Oh yeah, also. <laughs> all this other fucked up stuff that they do. I yeah. forgot about it. So it's like, it proved to me that my mind is malleable to become cult fodder too. It's fucking so I, crazy. I can't remember if, because I, ju- the, the, I just watched the director's cut and I can't remember, I, it felt like this scene wasn't in the theatrical cut, but when they're driving to the place from the airport, yeah, does it have them talking about brainwashing? In- no. I don't okay, think so. in the director's cut, they talk about it. Uh, no way. Uh, yeah, Danny. Danny says Pele has brainwashed uh, oh, her boyfriend. That line is in there. Yeah, that okay, one is. line yeah. is there. Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 is that is definitely like introduced on their way there. The concept of brainwashing and and it definitely is what is happening from the beginning. But, you know, the effect of it is, though, is that, you know, to me, like I said a second ago at the end, it could just be like, hey, you just joined a cult. But at the end of the day, the effect that it's had on me, and this is maybe just due to my own fascination with with cults and stuff like that, too, but it's made me more sympathetic to people that end up getting wrapped up in in cults and religion because it's like it's just as easy to slip into as having a bad boyfriend. Oh man, I I uh, I'm pretty sure after the pandemic is over, there might be a huge religious revival. Holy People shit! Will be I bet lonely, you're right. And that is where most Southern and and Midwestern people go to find community. You're right. Uh, no, I mean that's yeah. why we had the huge religious boom after uh, World War II and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's where the so, big tent revival movement happened and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, but once you you sort of separate people and get people lonely, it's uh it's easy to kind of manipulate them and it's yeah, this movie is is very much about that. And so I I hope I definitely hope people continue to draw hope from whatever the the you know, a the pretty uh pretty solid take that this is about burning down that old relationship and and really just getting getting back to yourself I, you can I, get I that out of it you can get that out of it uh but yeah I, th- I think it really there's so much you know with the racism and the, and the cult-like activity and the brainwashing oh, and, the murder. and the murder like all that stuff that it really it, it has a very dark tone to me i don't think that this has a happy ending i think it's a very like um, I don't know, ominous ending. Like I the think way so too. That, yeah, yeah. She really embraces her role. It's like, oh, oh no, well, <laughs> this here's is the gonna thing go that, bad. That struck me too, and I've not quite pieced out exactly what he was trying to say by this. Um, but you know, it shows us the whole movie that the people that are part of this community share feelings. If if one person is going through pain, everybody's right. going through pain. Yeah. That kind of thing. Why is it at the very end of the movie, as the temple is burning, 
the entire community is shrieking and wailing and freaking out in, uh, you know, um, sympathetic pain. She's smiling. She is not in sync with them. She yeah. is not in tune with them. Well, I think she is. She's just at peace with that. As And again, I think this is an anxiety thing. As someone who is constantly thinking of everything that could go wrong, if you're surrounded by other people who feel the same way, it's comfortable. Exactly. It, and that's, again, yeah. that's how you end up in a codependent, toxic relationship yeah. and yep. a cult. Both. Yep. Both of those. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's it's a bad thing to lean into someone else's mental illness. Yeah. Do not do it. It is a toxic relationship. Well, and the for thing both is, Ari Aster made it very clear that, you know, he wrote this movie after a particularly bad breakup. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I think that. I mean, I don't know the whole story there, obviously, but I wonder if it's one of those things where this movie is a really twisted vision of his bad, possibly codependent relationship he was in, plus his cult fantasies and interest yeah. that he expressed in Hereditary. It's kind of like if you stir those two things together in a pot, it's sure. this movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it. he called it um, a breakup film... Uh, what do you call it? A breakup film uh, framed as a as a folklore narrative or something, something. like so, that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's he he really is yeah focusing on the the breakup element, and that is exactly why it can't be dismissed that maybe this is something positive. Maybe these people aren't representative of a cult. They're representative of uh, like her own mind. Like this okay, is her yeah. escaping in some meditative way. Like she she is. Uh, able to eliminate these toxic men from her her mind by going through all this exactly and that's something too that that i wanted to bring up here as well um i put out an idea in the minisode that i want to kind of flesh out a little bit more because i think okay. i was maybe onto something and i found even more stuff that seems to point that way oh, okay um especially when you're talking about this is you know a, somewhat of a, a codependent fantasy sort of movie right. i put out an idea in the minisode that like maybe most of this movie is just a real time trip hallucination yeah because like, they, they get there they take the shrooms she's tripping balls sure. and then there's even a weird cut where she's running through the woods yeah. and then we wake mm -hmm. up with her on the ground and they're like we found you here and it's like did you or is she still tripping balls right now right and the rest of this, you know, at that point, it's maybe 40 minutes into the movie. So you spend maybe the next two hours just tripping with her in real time. Well, yeah. And I mean, time dilation is, is very common very real. with LSD. Uh, so the fact that it, you know, that it, she thinks the, days are the, going the, by, maybe not. Right. Yeah. But the, the time of day never changes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it could very well just be a two hour long trip in which she thinks these things are happening. Yes thinks that this is all ha but by the end she is like come through it happier and a better person well that's kind of the thing is what makes me think more and more that that is the case that okay. this movie is mainly all a trip basically after they get there and take the drugs the rest of the movie is just her tripping and we're uh -huh. seeing the inside of her mind there is so 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 much foreshadowing in the first parts of the movie that seems so unimportant Right. Um, it showing us, you know, the interior of her apartment, the interior right. of her family's home where they've killed themselves. There is so much there that is way significant later in the movie. 
I wonder if basically everything that we're seeing is essentially the the soup of all of those memories and associations from stuff that she had at home mixed with her own codependent relationship and stuff like this. So some of the things I'm talking about, there's very obvious ones. There's a huge painting in her bedroom above her bed of the huge bear. Right. And the little blonde princess in front of her. Obvious. That's like a very obvious one that comes back later on in the movie. Inside of her parents' house, they make such an effort to show us how many flowers are around there. The the wallpaper is yellow flowers. Did you notice on the parents' bedside table, there's a portrait of Danny with a huge wreath of flowers above it like a crown? I didn't. Okay. I didn't see that. Dude, like there is a portrait on their, you know, night table over there that has a crown of flowers above her head. Huh. Okay. Okay. The yellow of the hose pipes that lead to all of her family's faces that killed them. Uh huh. How significant is yellow in this movie? Yeah, it's throughout. There's, Yellow's there's everywhere. Yellow everywhere. Yeah. Even as they're yeah. walking to the commune for the first time, did you notice how they're walking across that huge trail of yellow flowers like they're following the yellow yes. brick road? Oh, man. Yeah. Wizard of Ozzy. Uh huh. In and her then apartment. There's tons of colors. Tons. Yeah. That again, is there's, very there's Wizard of Ozzy. Huh. Yellow flowers all over the parents' house. It's everywhere. There's yellow flowers all over the fucking place. Um, there's other shit, too. In her apartment, there's this picture on the wall that has two moons. As soon as she walks in, there's two suns in the commune. There's the sun gate, and then the big uh-huh. altar where the woman does the scold speech is a huge sun. Yeah, okay. Whenever she reaches uh, the Harga community everything is an inversion of everything that was in her previous life in her previous life everything that we saw was surrounded by cold and darkness that's blatantly obvious in the first shots of the movie yeah we're going from winter to summer death to life yeah yeah exactly unending darkness to unending light the sun never sets there it's like it's what a a depressed person craves it's never dark it's never sad it's never cold (laughs) right? right yeah in her life back home she was constantly surrounded by her boyfriend and his bro dude friends. No women. Like she has the only, yeah, the only she conversation has the she has. The friend that she talks to on the phone. On the yeah. phone, not directly. She emails her sister. She has no direct conversation or relationship with women back home. In the commune, constantly surrounded by women that yeah. are supportive and strong around her, right? Yeah. There are so many things. I'll, I'll probably think of some more in a few seconds here that are exact opposites once she reaches that that area and starts tripping balls. Oh, there's other weird stuff too. Get this. Um, okay. There's a few different scarecrows in her apartment and at the party she goes to, much like and how then, later on in the movie they yeah. end up stuffed with straw being right. led into the building, right? Uh-huh, which is also a Wizard of Oz thing. Yes, because at the party that she's at, like on the bookshelf there is a Wizard of Oz scarecrow and like i think in her apartment i might be crossing these two there is a portrait on the wall of the scarecrow from the wizard of oz it's obvious she's a wizard of oz fan yeah all these things could be coming out in a trip yeah just like exactly and the thing is is like once she's there um and she's among these people it almost reads to me like this is a codependent person's idea of love and family yeah this is their idea of what that would be like. 
Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's uh, a commune sounds great to a lot of us. I, I think it sounds awesome having people around all the time that uh, agree actually, with you, uh, agree and care and want uh, the best for you. Yeah, yeah. It's How about nice. this? Here's another one. So, you know, obviously one of the big shocking images in the movie is that the two elders that jump off the cliff mm-hmm. and uh, and kill themselves and and the what's it Aristupa? Uh, let me see. I think that's right. Uh, yeah, but you know I, what I'm I talking just, about. Out of stupid. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that ritually choose to take their own lives. The elders in this community choose to take their own lives. Meanwhile, back home, her parents had their lives taken from them unwillingly. Now, there's one shot in the movie, and I sent you a screenshot of it the other night when I was rewatching it. It's this very um kubricky, kubricky. That's a word, right? Kubricky part mm. in the movie. I can't remember which part of the flick it is. I think it's when she's dreaming or something like that. Yeah, it's when she's dreaming because she has like visions um, of being back home. There's this one shot and it lasts for like one second back at her parents' house and it shows her mom at the end of a hallway looking dead at the camera mm-hmm. and in the refle- uh, reflection in a photograph on the wall, you see that her dad is seated elsewhere in the room and they're both mirror shots and lots of mirrors again that is reversal that is foreshadowing the reversal that we're about to see what okay her parents in that one little shot and you can kind of see it in their in their bedroom as you see them you know they're dead uh are wearing long blue robes exactly like the people that fucking killed themselves later in the movie are oh aha you know what i'm saying i think that seriously it's just a soup of everything that yeah. she had been going through and her idea of what it means to be loved and accepted and, as Pele says, held in a relationship. It's like this crazy, fucked-up, drug-induced, codependent fantasy of love. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's very probable that that's what's going on. The... You're talking about reversal makes me want to talk about the runes a little bit that are used in this because it kind of fits in with this. The Elder Um, Futhark. Yeah. So, well, one one issue about the runes is uh, early on when they're in the apartment, the the guy's apartment, there's a book on the table. Yep. That uh, is titled The Secret Nazi Language of the Uthark. And what color is it? Uh, it was, it was red, yellow. It was yellow and red lettering. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yellow, yellow everywhere. Yeah. Um, so some of the runes basically just foreshadow stuff like Pele is wearing, uh, a Fehu rune, which can mean wealth or new beginnings. Mm. So basically like, it seems like he is by, by bringing them in that he does get praise for having brought these people in and having the intuition to bring in the May Queen. So And the he, new blood is, from the yeah. well, essentially rape scene with Christian, because that guy's drugged and fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, that scene is, is wild. Uh the the runes on Danny's Maypole outfit are interesting because she has an inverted Rado, which okay. Rado normally uh indicates like life and 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 positive things but in this case because it's inverted it indicates discord and delusion oh and death so 
the the maypole outfit is indicating something about delusion or death and then the other uh rune is a dagaz which normally means purity but it's altered so it's impure so there's there's some something about impurity and delusion going on here that I okay. think fits in with what you're saying about the cult narrative, yeah. The, yeah, this and also this like way of buying into this toxic relationship and and all the all the different things you've been saying about the just how Danny gets drawn into this. Uh, and then of course there's the I don't know what do they ever say what the main woman's name is the one who seems to conduct everything I'm sure they say her name but it just didn't stick with me I don't remember it's in like the IMDB and stuff I think uh, it's, it might be Siv Siv I think is Siv, her name yeah. that sounds right yeah, yeah. Uh, she wears an Anzu's rune which is representative of the god of God or the ancestors and also representative of like order and she's the one who like conducts everything I noticed about her while watching the the last time i watched it that she seems to really revel in the control she has at the dinners and things where like she's the one who starts everyone eating so she really yeah, just yeah, like yeah. takes her time about it and just That's true like she she seems to have this like if you could dig deeper and see these people on regular days i bet you would hate her <laughs> like she's the type of person that you would absolutely hate who's just a real dick to you yeah 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 but yeah I, that's the thing is we're not seeing these people as they normally are we're seeing them at a celebration yeah these true. are people who li like they live in what four buildings all mm -hmm. of them yeah they run into each other constantly there's bound to be tons and tons of fighting and stuff like that yeah they're probably but, putting on the happy face for their visitors exactly. at the festival and stuff for sure yeah I think there's definitely, like, uh, moments of, like, uh, okay, when Christian is given that drug and he sits down next to that older man and the old man claps in his, his face. Oh, like, he's over it, his shit. He's like, shut yeah, the fuck There's up. rage there, but it, they just can't let it out. Yeah, so they're hiding a lot. There's yeah. so much to be found there that that smile at the end, as I said, is ominous because of what what will come from this it's right. not like it's what not happens this after happy the moment well, yeah that's, that's kind of the thing that i wonder about too is that you know i i don't know what their definition of family is right within the cult because pele calls uh that one dude his brother mm -hmm. he, he calls the red-haired chick his sister right he talks about his parents dying in a fire obviously they were sacrifices at some other yeah. ceremony that they did um i wonder if they're really related at all you know yeah i yeah i don't i don't know because like i mean they have no no like visual uh similarity between no. them the, yeah the, him and his brother maybe but maybe uh, yeah it, it, it's a stretch it's a stretch really. yeah i mean the, what we do know that you know obviously they're trying to bring other people into breed it's possible they all share the same mother maybe and and just three different fathers mm. but i think it is more of a, a culty type of brother sister type of thing i always found that a little uncomfortable uh mormons call each other brother and sister so and so yeah totally uh, right i always found that a little uncomfortable i'd rather just call somebody by their name because i mean you know i get the idea you're 
supposed to treat each other like family, but I don't call my sister sister. I call her Nikki because that's her name. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's weird culty like changing up your language. Like you have to learn how to speak our language. And again, that's yeah. classic cult tactics, having yep. all these different words and new names for each other. Uh, yeah. Those are all cult brainwashing things. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, I'm wondering, like, after the credits roll, are all these people now her brothers and sisters? Who are her mother and father now? Like, is right. is Pele even from that cult? Like, yeah, did he did he come in from? I I think it says that he is right. I'm pretty sure that he says something. I mean, you know what? No, we're not positive on that. It just makes you unsure about everybody. You know. Yeah, he. It seems almost like, yeah, he he was probably chosen to go out because he's not blonde, like most of the people there. He has dark hair. He was probably chosen because he came from the outside, so he could talk to people from the outside better to lure them in. You're right. Yeah, he probably also came in himself. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is like Pele could be a child of this community the same way that you yeah. know. Whoever Christian impregnated is going to have a kid, and that kid's going to be like, my dad died in a fire. Yeah, he did. He was in a bear costume, <laughs> and they sacrificed him. Oh, oh, oh you no. You just don't know. And I like that the movie never really goes all that far to yeah. to spell that out to you, but yeah, it just leaves it, you talking about it on a podcast like what we're doing right sure. now. For <laughs> sure. The movie definitely requires a second viewing. Like Absolutely. It really... To, because you can watch it the first time and get something out of it, but it really does require a second viewing to see everything at play. Oh, yeah. I mean, it took a second viewing to realize that the movie brainwashed me. It's crazy. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, man. And now you're in a cult. You're in the midsummer cult. Now I'm in a cult, dude. Hey, can mm -hmm. we talk for a second about how Christian fucking sucks? He's the worst, man. He's a terrible boyfriend, but also a terrible friend. He's just terrible. Awful. Awful, awful, yeah. awful, dude. It's one of those things that I really caught more times than this where he is gaslighting her and keeping yep. everything out of being his problem. Like, even when they yep. show up and everybody's like, yeah, let's do these mushrooms. And she's like, I'm not really ready to. And you can tell he wants to, and he's trying to pressure her into it. And he turns to his friends. And he's like, hey, uh, hey, bros, uh, we're going to wait. Uh, she's not ready, so we're going to wait yeah. until she's ready. It's like it's never his fault that anything's <sighs> right. going on. I have known so many fucking people like this guy, dude. Ugh. It's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, and they're no they're no fun to be around. You don't like you don't want to see somebody treating someone else like that. No. It's Ugh, and awful. It, uh, like how many I friends just, have you had where you're just like, why don't you just fucking break up, dude? Oh, a lot, yeah. I that was that was pretty common in my my teens and twenties of saying to my friends, why don't you just fucking break up? Right. And a lot of them being like, no, we're going to get married and then divorced. <laughs> That's better for everybody. That's better. Now our <laughs> kids think we some, at some point actually did like each other. Yeah. Though everyone knows it wasn't true. And we lost a ton of money because divorce is really expensive. It's yeah. better for everybody. Yeah, man, that divorce industry. That's where you got, that's where you got to invest. <laughs> no kidding. Can I invest in divorcing? <laughs> he's terrible. Yeah. And and you know something that I thought about this time too? He's kind of indirectly responsible for Danny's parents dying. Because Danny calls him on the phone after she's gotten that suspicious email from her sister. 
Right, and he tells her it's it's not a big deal. Yeah, he's like, right. she's always blowing up. She's done yeah. this before. And, and we're shown right before that that they are alive. Yeah, yeah. She exactly. calls it shows them breathing. to leave a message. They're breathing. She could have gone over there. Yeah, and saved her whole fucking family from being yep. murder suicided. Like he's yeah. responsible in a way for their deaths by um, just what's the word I'm looking for? Dismissing, worry. Yeah, yeah, her worry and her emotion and her own knowledge of her own fucking family. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> he's the worst, and, and they do such a great job of establishing how shitty he is just by. Being such a fucking sloth about everything. Oh, my God. Like, dude, forgetting he, a birthday. He's a year into his PhD program. He has no idea what he's even going to do his thesis uh -uh. on. And then his friend is working on something, and he's like, oh, let's do that. Yeah, maybe I'll try that instead. Why, why are you mad? I don't understand. I'm going to do the exact same thing you're doing. Yep. Dude, like, they're two weeks out from this trip that they've been planning uh -huh. Danny doesn't even know about doesn't it. Doesn't even know. Here's about it. Overhears about it at a party. Yeah. He didn't and need he, to tell her about it because he's like, I'll have broke up with it by then. I don't even matter. In the argument they have about that, he seriously says, I'm sorry. And Question then mark? two sentences uh, later goes, Look, I apologized. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? No, you did not. No. That was not an apology. And then she ends up apologizing to him. Just a gaslighting oh, piece of shit. Fucking dick, yeah. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, he he sucks. He is absolutely <laughs> yep. so hateable, and his and his friends suck and stuff too. And like, yeah, one, but they're just that I, you I, know dudes that are yeah. like being told by their friend that his girlfriend sucks up all of his time when in reality he is choosing to spend his time with her. Yeah. See, that's something that I got out of it too. Is like. You know, this time around when I was watching it and his friends obviously don't really like her or anything, I was like, well, why don't the friends like her? I, I got like, yeah. like for a split second, I got kind of like, I transformed from Uncle Ben Eller to Uncle Ben Shapiro where I was like, <laughs> now why don't they like her really for just a split yeah. second? Facts don't care about your feelings. Oh, fuck me. Fuck AOC's that AOC's feet. Ugh. Um, <laughs> oh, dude. TheHardTimes.net ran an article today that was... <laughs> ben Shapiro debuts new e electronic EP recorded with logic and reason. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's a sidebar in there about how Ocasio-Cortez is releasing her EP recorded with GarageBand on a dated laptop and stuff. Oh, Fucking hilarious. Dude, dude this, sorry. Just a side <laughs> about Ben Shapiro. I'm fine uh, with it. I, I have friends from high school who are older than me. Yeah. That I have recently seen being like, I've been watching this guy Ben Shapiro's Fuck videos. me, dude. And I'm like, are you like, are you seriously on that level of stupidity that not only have you just now discovered who Ben Shapiro is, but also you're enamored by him. You're uh. like, yeah, no, talking fast and not making any sort of a point is uh, excellent debating. <laughs> he nails it. He, he just tears them up, dude. Being sure to pick your opponents uh, so that you know that you can tear them apart. Mm -hmm. Great debating. Cherry yeah. picking facts. So good. Yeah. What a mm -hmm. big boy. Anyway, what a boy. go all Ben Shapiro on this. Fuck, no. No, for, like, for just a split second, I was like, why don't his friends like her? And then I was like, oh, yeah, because he's constantly blaming everything on her. Yep. Yeah. He just they put, don't yeah, know anything. her at all. Yeah, they don't know her. And then, like, you at know, when, Pele it. 
Pele sees through it and he he talks to her nicely and like she actually uh, one of the few times she smiles before they get there is when she sits down in the room to talk to Pele. She goes, "Hey Pele," and she just has like this little smile and it's like, "Oh, she's actually comfortable with him." Yeah. Whereas everybody else, she just feels like she's walking on eggshells because this dude has poisoned them all into thinking she's this terrible individual who just uh, monopolizes his time when in reality he he's the one who put himself in this situation yep well and again that that ties into my whole like fantasy narrative that i'm talking about too where after they go there all of his shitty friends that are shitty to her all the time fucking die in gruesome ways <laughs> her and pele grow closer and yep. become friends like not <laughs> yep. even not even romantic they just become friends just friends yeah yeah, I think that's all part of that that fantasy narrative as well. Yeah, I think so. So in the end, like maybe this is a, a happy ending of a person who's just gone through mentally gone through this trip and come to a realization of not needing these other people in her life, needing more of this community in her life, and, and now she can be happy. And hey, maybe it's also a positive, uplifting story, which this is totally based on reality. This is not at all a fantasy of people taking hallucinogens and stuff like this to help them yeah. work through emotional yeah, absolutely. Uh, problems. I mean, yeah, that's, P- that's a reality. Very helpful with anxiety, depression, PTSD, PTSD all sorts dude. of stuff. Yeah. So, so maybe it's positive that way. Legalize it. Legalize that shit. I mean, some places are already going for it. So yeah, sure. Yeah, and and Colorado. I would I would love to take a trip if it weren't for a pandemic. I would love to take a trip to Colorado and try out some of them legal mushrooms they got. No doubt, man. Do you think this movie's too long? Uh, no. I I don't. The director's cut is. I think. Uh, I understand why they made some of the cuts they made. I think it's a little too long. Uh, and without the extra scenes of of how shitty christian is you still get that he sucks like you don't need him you don't need it but yeah. two and a half hours doesn't feel like two and a half hours watching right? this movie to me i don't think so either because like my impression that i was left with is like you could cut the movie down you could cut some stuff out but this is the rare example where it's like you could cut it down but it wouldn't make it better no it wouldn't improve it you know, like no. most of the time when we talk about these movies, I'm like, they made this longer and it didn't make the movie better. This movie, if you cut it down, it wouldn't really be better. Yeah. There's if anything, nothing worth taking out. It's no. All, it all works really well together. Well, and if anything, too, the length of the movie further ties into that that brainwashing aspect of it where the bad stuff is only for split seconds. It's, it's not constant. Like, Jonestown no. wasn't always a shit show. There would be no. glimpses of it, <laughs> but the majority of it, is peaceful and you're with your people in the community and you feel loved and yada yada. Like most of this movie is pretty peaceful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And so I think the fact that it is so long kind of allows you to be kind of sedated by the fact that like, Oh yeah, those people did jump off that cliff just <laughs> right. a little while. Yeah, it's like that's yeah. been like an hour ago though, it and everything's been kind of fine since as hell, then. But oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> you know? I think yeah. it's really interesting, man. And uh, I think it's also just really fascinating, too, how he, he chose to open the movie by spoiling the whole movie. And it's funny, because this sort of also ties into something that we watched the night before we watched Midsummer for the podcast. We we okay. went on Netflix, and we watched a, a stand-up special on there by Hannah Gadsby. Do you okay. know her? Uh, She's an Australian uh, uh, comedian. Ooh. She has autism, and she is 
okay. hilarious. It's really funny. There's like I think one of the things that you'd appreciate the same thing that we like. Way I think I have seen her on. Um, yeah, I believe I've seen her. Yes. Yeah, she wrote mm-hmm. a a TV show. It's like uh, fuck, I can't remember the name, but Nadine or something like that. I can't remember the name of her show that she wrote okay. for a while. Uh, but apparently, it's very popular. I didn't know anything about her going into it, so I was watching it with a, a clean slate. There's some great like art history jokes in there. You don't get those very much. No, you don't. You know, so it's definitely worth watching for that. But the thing in this is, is that her stand-up routine starts with her spoiling her whole stand-up routine. She's like, okay. let me give you a rundown of how this is going to go. And this is like 15 minutes worth of the special. She's like, first, I'm going to tell some jokes about this. Then I'm going to talk about autism and and it's going to get really intimate for a while and the lights are going to go down and just like really lead you through the whole thing. But because you come, you become so wrapped up in it and you're going with the flow, once it hits one of those beats, you're like, oh, I forgot that was going to happen. I mean, this movie starts as that triptych that shows everything yeah, that happens shows, in the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's got the, the death of her parents. It's got her, uh, you know, and, uh, the the guys all meeting together and Pele playing a little like the uh, pan flute pan flute and then him leading them into the community and then it shows her it shows like the maypole dance and their skeletons and it shows the feast and their skeletons you see the two old people that kill each other yeah or kill themselves like all that stuff is in there yep. yeah and then even through the whole movie like the bunkhouse and stuff like that is covered in artwork mm-hmm. more of it yeah it's hanging on the clotheslines. It's like it's yep. all right there in plain sight. We see sight. the whole love spell on yeah. the clothesline in that tapestry. Yeah. Yeah. And and I love that about it because, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, like I was going into this being like, how is this going to be like hereditary? And he basically starts the movie by being like, hey, here's what's going to happen. It is the Wicker Man narrative that you think this is going to be. Right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way can we focus on these characters and their relationships yeah, now that you know that, what's going to happen? Yeah. Watch that's this. the real story. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. That that's so fucking cool, especially in, I agree. in horror where so much of it, you know, kind of, um, kind of hinges on spoilers, you know? Yes, it does. It hinges on you not knowing you not being able to see something being in the dark. And this is the exact opposite. It's of the that. opposite. Yeah. How about yeah. I show you everything in broad daylight and I tell you literally at the first shot of the movie, what's going to happen. And, and if it's you need still refreshers, going to be brutal as shit. And yeah. when it happens, you're going to be like, whoa, whoa, it's what? <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's kind of the thing too, that also ties into the cult narrative is like a lot of times it's these cults, the writing is on the wall the writing in this is literally on the wall on the wall yeah about like yeah and it's a doomsday cult and we're gonna exit this planet and you know the hellbop comet and blah 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 like they know it's gonna happen but you ignore it because it's so pretty it is very pretty (laughs) it is very pretty oh man i i love it i think it's really fucking awesome and even just sitting here talking deeper about it with all the subtext that you caught made me like it more yeah that doesn't happen every time uh, a lot of times when we talk deeper about something, I'm like, eh, fuck. Like, oh, I don't that like falls this apart. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, the more I've talked about, it, I mean, we did a mini sode, which I think was like an hour long. Yeah. <laughs> and now I've <laughs> talked for almost two and a half hours. I, yeah, I like this movie even more now uh, after having seen it several times and talked about it deeply. It's, it's, it's really well done. And, uh, unlike Hereditary, I think you can put Midsummer on, like you said, in the background. Yeah, dude. And it's just either you look over and it's gorgeous, or you look over and something crazy is happening. And uh, it's 
Whereas Hereditary, you got to follow it the whole way because it's, it's so much draining. darkness and, it and it's very draining. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Midsummer is more. I mean, you, you really can. I mean, even if you uh, take all the stuff I said about the racism and stuff, and and you know, really try to see the movie from that perspective, even at after that, at the end, when that music's playing and she's smiling, it's hard not to feel like uplifted by it. Totally, it it yeah. draws you in, man. It brainwashes mm-hmm. you. It does. So I'm I'm uh, I'm part of the Ari Aster cult, I guess. Count me in, dude. <laughs> yeah. Count me in. You got any other uh, thoughts about this flick? No, man. I I think that uh, you put it right. Like it, just talking about it more makes it makes it even better. It's it's um it's a really uh, cleverly put together thing that doesn't require uh it doesn't require darkness it doesn't require any subversion it can be itself on face value and and you watch it and it just will blow you away i know some people don't like it and some people can disagree with this but for me it has all the things i want a weird cult a bunch of naked people drugs I mean, that's like my shopping list <laughs> when I go to the store. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, th- this is great to me. And I-, I don't know what I gave Hereditary. I think um, I think I do like Hereditary more because it scares me more. Yeah, totally. But I think Midsummer. Um, it's more relatable, should, I think. It should scare me more, I think. I think maybe I'm, you know, uh, as we talk about cult and you know the more i think about every religion and seeing it as a cult the more i think of how insane it is that we just accept so much of the world when it has been shaped by christian thought and or shaped by other religious thought like so much of history and things have been shaped by really demented minds who are trying to make shit up to make their crazy cult work. Well, and you know, it's Uh, funny you even use that term Christian thought because like her whole idea, it seems like of love and relationships is shaped on Christian thought, literally Christian in this movie. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It is. Yeah. So uh, yeah, for for me, this though, uh, it's, it's got, it's got everything I like. And also just like, my favorite horror movie of all time, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Most of the action happens in pure daylight, and that is awesome. Yeah. I I just think that bringing terror to the daytime is real, real effective horror because it's we've gotten to the point with horror films where we all know we feel unsafe at night. A movie that makes you feel unsafe at day is what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. And that's when you know the floor it. in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think this, for me, uh, you know, I, I probably gave Her- Hereditary a 10. Uh, this nine and a half to 10. Yeah. It, it's almost perfect movie. I don't really have any complaints about it, but it also, you know, uh, I, I would like maybe some more. Uh, I, I, li- I, I like my my major 10 movies to have some more deep dark psychological twists in them and this this can be seen so many ways and all the darkness is right on the surface 
it's hard to dig into what that other darkness may be. We've talked about it a little bit on this episode, just like what happens after the credits or, you know, how are these people when, when we're not watching it, but when I watch the movie, I get more elated. I, I, it's hard to get deep into that darkness and that's what I want out of a horror movie. So maybe it's less than perfect for me on that scale, but I have no problem with the movie. Yeah, I got you, man. I, I'm right there with you. I think that this thing is just a, I think it's a, a symphony of, of codependence and toxic relationships mm. in a variety of forms. I mean, whether that be in a romantic sense, whether that be in a religious or familial sense, because this cult is kind of religion and family tied into one, uh, whether that be in a in a political sense, in the case of people who are adamant followers of their favorite politician and just ignore the ugliness that is there in broad fucking blonde yeah. blue-eyed white skin daylight <laughs> yeah. coincidence fuck man yeah. uh, i think that it's a great precautionary tale i think that you can also you know get out of it like that it is uplifting at the end that she burnt down her past she yeah. left everything behind her her family situation her relationships her shitty boyfriend's friends literally burnt it to the ground and could smile at the end of the day at the end of the day sometimes religion does that for people sometimes it a does. new relationship it does that does. for people yeah. too you know it's like yep. some people come out of really horrible toxic relationships and they find the right person that can bring them out of it and burn down their past and smile about it sometimes that's a great thing you know? You think this cult is her rebound relationship? Oh man, this is how she got a groove back. This is how Danny yeah. got a groove back. It could have been the alternate <laughs> title. That would be awesome. <laughs> I want to see a cut of this as how Danny got her groove yeah. back. Midsummer yeah. or how Danny, how got, Danny her got her groove back. back. <laughs> I think it's good. Yeah. But but you know, it's like you can take positive things out of it if you want to. And if you do, that's fantastic. And I completely see it. Uh you can see it as I did as a precautionary tale yeah uh about the the warning signs that you see that lead to getting wrapped up in these kinds of relationships i think that it's really fucking incredible and i think that some of it must be obvious considering that ari said this was his breakup movie that he wrote after he got out of a messy breakup Mm -hmm. you've got to take the whole movie and look at it under that lens of it's like this isn't just about you know a breakup or a bad relationship that you saw the first of the movie this is about a whole variety of bad relationships and yeah. what those can do to you and how they can beguile you and enchant you with love and feeling hell and relationships and ceremonies and fancy costumes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the more I think about it, the more that I like it. I think that it's yeah. a really fucking awesome movie. Soundtrack, beautiful. Aesthetics, oh, it's beautiful. Great. I'm with you. This is like, I think I'm going to say nine and a half for me. I, I like this yeah. so much more now than I did the first time that I saw it. Awesome, man. I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we got to this. I I had originally planned to do it uh, in June mm-hmm. for Midsummer because it was on a Wednesday, and then I don't know what happened. I may have smoked a little marijuana and forgotten. Well, I know this is one of those ones where we were both like, we were, <laughs> we're doing a lot do of thinking and research on this one, yeah. so it doesn't need to be one where we're like a day before we record. I don't know. Let's do Midsummer. Right. I know this is one of those ones that we knew we'd want to put a little bit of time into thinking about yeah, too. For sure. So, yeah, timing worked out pretty well there. And again, awesome too that it happened to turn out to be a Patreon episode. Hell yeah. <laughs> and you can so, you can have your own Patreon episode. You too. 
could become a $5 Patreon patron over on patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. And you can choose which movies we cover. That's right. That's right. And just give yeah, the boys one, a little love and support. Yeah, this one, uh, I was glad. I mean, there's so many great ones in there. I was glad we got to do this one. Uh, I am excited for what we're doing next week, man. Absolutely. I'm so stoked because we've talked about doing this one since like day one of yep. the podcast. We're dipping into that that rare but amazing turf of a little bit of sci-fi horror yep. action. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about a little Terminator. 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 Right. This is... This is in no way a wild card. The first Terminator is definitely a sci-fi slasher. Oh, yeah, man. A techno slasher. Yeah. Now, Terminator 2 is all sci-fi. But definitely horror still. It's a dystopia. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, fucking that huge nuclear explosion blows everybody up. That's pretty That's a pretty big, horrific occurrence. But, yeah, I'm excited to uh to do some terminator talk about arnold is this our first nope we did predator Predator. yeah okay so another arnold movie hell yeah yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun because i've not seen this and man a a long time i bet this is another one of those ones where i've probably not seen it in 10 or 15 years man yeah it's been a long i i know emily and i watched it whenever we were dating so that was over 10 years ago Wow, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a while. Yeah, I'll look forward to checking this out. You guys be sure to tune in next time and scope out our Terminator episode. Uh, as I said before, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Helps us out a ton. Helps us show up in them search engines. I ain't seen near enough reviews popping up lately. So if you guys want to do us a favor, at? it just takes a second to do. Just go on there, rate and review the show. Leave a question at the end for a future FAQ installment of the Preview Palace. They can also follow us on Instagram and all that shit. Uh, at Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're also on the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. Got a group over there. We're on Discord. We're on YouTube. We're all over the place. Worldwide. Just come looking. That's right. You'll find us. Uh, be sure to track us down. Follow us like a bloodhound. Well, mm-hmm. you guys have been fantastic. It's been great sitting here shooting the shit about Ari Aster's second big-time movie. I'm so excited to see whatever he does in the future. Just count me, me in. I'll, I'll pre-buy tickets for yeah. <laughs> anything that he does in the future. So, yeah, definitely interested. But it's been a lot of fun talking with you guys about this flick. hope you guys have enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you guys are staying safe happy, healthy, and wealthy, and keeping them hands clean. Wash your hands. And your ass. Yeah, wash that thing. That thing be spreading bugs and viruses Ooh, all over bugs. the place. Ooh, wash bugs. that thing. Wash it. Mm-hmm. Wash it. And be sure to tune in next time to our Terminator episode of Dead and Lovely. I've been Uncle Ben Eller. And I am Hollywood Steve. And we're Dead and Lovely. We'll catch you guys next time. See you later. Bye-bye. Scold! <laughs>all right steve you know what i'm about to do i'm, I'm about to run something by you. i had an idea you know me and i'm an idea man let's hear right it. trademark right. dead and lovely i have seen the future of sports entertainment in this country okay and it is four words hmm. full contact spelling bees tell me what you think oh damn right mm-hmm I think it would add some excitement, some spice to the to the event, uh-huh. you know, get a lot more people interested. So basically, do you, 
does each speller get their own like defensive li- or offensive line and then the other spellers are trying to get past them to tackle the speller before they can spell okay that's actually pretty good honestly i hadn't really worked out the details i just figured oh, okay. that if you added violence to it more people would like it yeah yeah it would be better i think yeah but i like where you're going with this this sounds like a pretty good thing it's like a race against time to you know Keep this like twelve-year-old kid from getting tackled by an offensive lineman before he yeah. finishes spelling xylophone or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that sounds like an early round word, but sure. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> these the kids future. are out here spelling the tough shit. <laughs> Trademark dead and lovely. Yep. <laughs>